0: Jacob, it fittingly, it's the first time all week I've looked outside, and I've seen no sign of the sun, and that comes on a day when, well, we need cars on the track over at IMS, but honestly, having said that, um, it's the road course, so you're able to run in some rain, and I do feel like the rain chances I've seen, I don't know if you've seen anything different, Jake, it seems like it's lessened a bit as the week has moved along.
1: Yeah, I think it's like 30%, right? 30 or 40. Um, and a little bit more today than tomorrow. So today, calls
0: coming up 4 o'clock over the road course, green flag, 3.30. Uh, you guys come on air today at what time?
1: Uh, I think we're on at 4. Right at 4? Yeah.
0: Um, I know they've got a morning practice, I think an afternoon practice. Uh, but yes, the GMR Grand Prix coming up tomorrow. You can hear it right here on the fan, obviously, Jake and all his friends.
1: The, the fun ramps up. There's no doubt about that. And... And then all of a sudden, you get into the blur. It's funny, the Australians who are coming for, my, my buddy Michael from Australia who is coming, he is going to spot for me for the race. He is bringing with him seven friends. So they're doing a guy's trip, oh, right? okay. So they're flying into, now Now tell me this- One gallon of Vegemite for each one? <laughs> that's right. Tell me this isn't what we would call aggressive, okay? Okay. So, Michael is spotting for me at the race, and he's, and we've talked about, I mean, this wasn't like sprung on me. We've talked about this for like a year and a half, two years. He is bringing like his brother in law and his cousin, you know, a bunch of a, a guy's trip for those guys. They are flying from Melbourne, Australia. Now, tell me this isn't, Kevin, like the dream vacation. They're flying from Melbourne, Australia to Los Angeles. They're spending, I think, five days in la and beverly hills and the hollywood hills whatever they're then flying from los angeles to miami spending three days on south beach and then flying from south beach to indy he has he just sent me a thing that said hey i've got reservations thursday night i want you and shannon to be there with us for 9 45 thursday night the night before carb day at saint elmo I'm like yeah, I, I don't know that I'll make that.
0: Jake, I say this in all sincerity. That sounds like the worst potential hangover in the history of hangovers. <laughs> That's like a bachelor party gone bad.
1: Yeah, so I'm like, whoa, whoa, the
0: whoa. The flight Michael, from like, LA to Miami, my J- that might be worse than the flight from Melbourne
1: to LA. I, no doubt, no doubt, right? So 9:45. So they have res- <gasps> He's like, no, we're doing Saint Elmo. Okay, so they're doing Saint Elmo at 9:45. And I, I mean, I would have thought. And hey, I Here loved, comes
0: my ribeye at 11.03. I
1: 100% love St. Elmo Steakhouse, and that is an absolute must if you're coming in from out of town, but you would think that Outback Steakhouse would be good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get a blooming Onion to go and call it a night. And then, that's right. And then Carb Day, because I told him, I'm like, you got to be at Carb Day. Oh, no,
0: we need him there early.
1: He's like, oh, we'll be there. And then, obviously, then we're doing the parade on Saturday, race on Sunday, And then, I think Tuesday morning, they fly back.
0: Don't tell me they're in Vegas for three days.
1: I forgot. Vegas is mixed in, too. Stop. I I kid you not. They fly from here to Las Vegas. They're doing two days in Vegas. Then, from Vegas to Maui, Maui to Melbourne. I'm shaking my head. (laughs) If you believe
0: in prayer, add these
1: people to your prayer list, folks. Keep in mind, this is a guy that I met because... He and his son are diehard Pacers fans, fan. yeah, I was gonna, I and was they flew really to sure. Indianapolis to go to three games in one week from Melbourne. Gosh, so They should be mind. next
0: to the Benedict Matherin statue. That's that
1: exactly correct.
0: Now that I think about it. Yes, two weeks from today, we will be out at the track for Carb Day. Absolutely <laughs> cannot wait for that. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dighton is out today. So the trusty Sam Fritz, the recently turned 28-year-old Sam Fritz. You and Elio Castroneva share a birthday? We do. Uh, well, I'm, act- I'm asking. We do, like May 10th? Yes. Yeah, we had Elio on earlier this week. This, a, this I would sounds say like a, good omen. a very strong rendition of Happy Birthday. I know the symphony orchestra here has asked us to potentially do a little bit of a duet with them at some point, so we'll keep you posted on that end. But happy belated, Sam, and thank you for sliding the chair today.
2: Thank you. I celebrated my birthday the same way I always do. Uh, I went to the casino, and then... The day after, I had Buffalo Wild Wings as my birthday dinner for the 15th year in a
0: row. Look at that. Why mess with success there? How it, is the casino at Wednesday at
2: noon? Uh, Dead. Uh, for Compared to a casino, you know, what you expect at a casino. But yeah, I'd say I stood up at a craps table for a solid hour and it was just me and two other people. I don't understand
1: craps. It's actually
0: like, very simple.
1: I just see a bunch of people sitting around screaming and yelling and then somebody gets on a hot streak and they're rolling and everybody goes crazy. That's yeah, all I know.
0: I, I would say it's it's a good group atmosphere game because you can root for others but do you win off of others yes yeah blackjack you know or blackjack for example doesn't you, have that you feeling. can win off of
2: others or in spite of others if you don't like a guy at the table you can bet on them to lose oh, really No, i wouldn't you're kind of get some eyes but you could
0: sam okay. walks in wednesday at noon in shelbyville <laughs> all right i'm ready I'm to ready to
1: clear bleep, the table
0: bleep you know what up here uh, a whole lot to get to on today's Kevin Acquire. Bernard Ryman, Colts offensive tackle, going to join us at 8.30. Obviously, the Frankfurt-Germany game. High on the list of importance for Ryman, who is an Austrian, Austrian, not Australian, native. Um, really cool story. And enjoyed talking with him last year, probably about this time, honestly, about just being drafted by the Colts and his journey to come over here and play in American football and all of that. Uh, but, Jake, we do have the schedule for the Annapolis Colts here in 2023, 17 and 0. Your your first thought? Did we? Did anyone win Ursay's challenge? By the way,
1: that is a great question.
0: I would think that of that would have been. Did you have known to know by
1: now? Okay, did you have to know home and away as well?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we knew home and away already. We knew those opponents. I guess you're right. I guess you're you. are right. You had to slot them into well, but did the you right know
1: weeks? For example, Jacksonville. Did you have to say this week they'll be at Jacksonville, and then like in week nine they'll be home against Jacksonville, or could you have just said Jacksonville, Jacksonville?
0: Believe so. I believe you had to identify because that, the that home is in that way.
1: case that is it is literally mathematically almost impossible, right?
0: Yeah. What do you like? What do you not like? What surprised you? What didn't surprise you?
1: Um the the late buy. I think is of advantage if they are. And I don't know that. Kevin, I don't know that we can say. We can look at it on paper, certainly by the roster and the precedent and whatever else and say they're probably not a playoff team. But can we say that when you look at the schedule and you look at the teams? It's not overly daunting. It's it's they're kind of there are a lot of teams that are all circling around in that NFL vat of suck. Right. And one of the tamest cult schedules uh, i've, I've it, frankly it ever seen you know what it, it 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 reminds me of how many times in the last 10 years i i call it the minnesota vikings award the team that by week eight you're like they're they're six and two wait like are they good well i don't know that they're good but they're six and two and then all of a sudden they end up going you know 11 and six and making the playoffs you're like okay and part of it is because they're they're not great, but they are perfectly sufficient against a relatively average roster. The Minnesota Vikings have feasted on this. And this roster, the late buy could be a benefit to them because if this is one of those years, I'm not saying it's going to be the case, but if it's one of those years where the ball starts bouncing their way and things fall into place for them, Andrew Luck's first year reminds me of that. And I know Andrew Luck was an elite-level player. I mean, don't get me wrong. But literally everything, with the exception of the fact of the obvious horrible nature of Chuck Pagano's illness, but everything on the field that had to go their way that year seemingly bounced their way. The ro- Everything. The schedule. the just All things kind of just lean towards them. But if that happens with this team this year, then in those seasons, I prefer the late bye week. Because then you can, if in fact you are going to get yourself into a wild card round, for example, or even hanging in contention where that last two games, Atlanta and Houston are games you need desperately, then, I mean, sure, the Bengals are going to be tough, but you're coming off those last four games off the bye, seemingly three of the four are pretty winnable, but you're going to be getting healthy. So that, I, I do like that aspect of it. Um, wasn't wild about the fact that the end of October they have back-to-back home games uh, because that actually is when I was hoping to go out of town. Mm. Well, why not?
0: I mean, well, appointment viewing for Cleveland and New Orleans, I don't think it's going to be very high.
1: I mean, that may be true. But what you, you never know, though, right? Yeah, I, I would say a couple things stood out to
0: me. Obviously, the bye week slots right after the international game. So that, that, that checked out. Um, the Colts clearly wanted that. Um, certainly get used to Sundays at one o'clock, no shock there. Um, every single game is Sunday at one o'clock besides they will play at Carolina at four Oh five on November 5th. And then the London or the uh, Frankfurt game, I should say is a nine 30 kickoff. Um, I I'm not going to go down the road yet, Jake of Colts playoffs, all of that. But again, on paper, this is one of the tamer schedules that I've seen. And I think a couple of reasons for one, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, the Quarterbacks that come to Lucas Oil Stadium are, I don't think you'd slot any of them as top six, seven quarterbacks in the NFL. It's not that daunting QB schedule, certainly that it was even last year at Lucas Oil. For two, look at the road games, Jake. Do any of those road atmospheres strike you as like Arrowhead? Yeah, I totally agree. Foxborough, Seattle. I think Minnesota is a really good road environment. I think Lambeau is a good road environment. The the hardest road atmosphere the Colts would have had, in my opinion, was Foxborough. Yeah, and now that's in a forty eight thousand seat you know neutral site you know six time I zones away. I mean, maybe away. Baltimore, maybe you know, Baltimore, and obviously at Cincinnati, just naturally they are a really good team. But you know, Carolina. Uh, obviously the divisional teams, nobody qualifies in that. I don't think Atlanta on Christmas Eve is going to be anything to write home about. Uh, so that is what stands out to me. I personally, and I could be dead wrong on this, Jake. I love the opener. I think the opener screams exactly what you would want for Shane Steichen. And I think it's the perfect time to throw Anthony Richardson in the lineup. It's Jacksonville at home. We know the storyline. The Colts haven't won an opener since 2013. It's the longest streak in the NFL. It's an absolute joke that they've gone that long. Frickin' Terrell Pryor was the opposing quarterback the last time the Colts won a season opener. Now,
1: do you have to say the frickin' part? Wow. That's required— do, do you think the guy more, changed
0: positions, Jake? I, Wasn't he more of
1: a whiteout than a quarterback? Do you think more Ohio State fans, Raiders fans, or opposition fans refer to him as freaking Terrell Pryor?
0: Well, if I was gonna go down the Ohio State route, I probably should have said the freaking Terrell right. Pryor. The tattooed Terrell Pryor. Just yes, thank you for the clarification on that end. Uh, why do I love Jacksonville out of the gate? No one's gonna expect you to win that game. It's at home. There's going to be the natural season opener energy from the fan base. It's just almost inevitable for any NFL team, but I think we'll be there for the Colts. Um, And you know why I say start Anthony Richardson in week one? This might be me thinking a little too deep into it. But Jake, your offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, was with Jacksonville last year. So if there is a game on the schedule, you don't play Philadelphia, if there is a game on the schedule where the important people around Anthony Richardson are going to know the opponent somewhat well... You would think Jacksonville, which retains basically their entire coaching staff from last year, would qualify as that for Anthony Richardson. So Jim Bob Cooter should be able to provide him with some nice intel, and to me, for multiple reasons, that kind of checks the boxes. Go ahead, put him in there week one. Again, it's a home game. It's not like Jacksonville brings a lot of fans on the road. Uh, I think that is the ideal opener for Shane Steichen
1: and Anthony Richardson. I'm trying to think here. When we predicted yesterday the home opposition, or excuse me, the opener opposition, who did you take? I thought I might have gone Carolina. Who did Mark take? Oof, I don't know. I believe he said Texans, right? Did he? Who did, did you he? go Jags? I did. I I'm, I think I did. Not because I was, like, I was just like, I don't see anywhere else that's overly inviting. Yeah, the, the Jags, too, is not a bad opening act, and I'll tell you why, because I do think that they're going to be good this year, but they're still kind of finding their footing, too. I know they had a strong finish to last year, but they're kind of a slow-start kind of team, generally speaking, especially with some of the youth they have.
0: Well, week week ones in general, flukey yeah, things happen. Yeah, for everybody. I right. mean, Jacksonville won in 15 one year, and the only game they won was the Colts in the opener. That's right. So, for multiple reasons, I am all in on giving Richardson the keys right there. Out of the gate. Again, no primetime games. No Thursday night games. uh, The NFL with Amazon. Honestly, what this is, Jake, to me, is it is Amazon saying to the Colts, you made the entire country watch Colts and Broncos last year. Yeah, And for that, we're punishing you for a year. And you are not going to be on Thursday night football. It's a rule the NFL has had in place. I think it's just past – it's not just this year and that you are not guaranteed a primetime game – now, this year, you can play multiple Thursday night games. I don't think there's many teams, uh, but the Colts didn't have to necessarily slot into a Thursday nighter. So it's Colts, Texans, Falcons, Cardinals. Those four teams will not play in primetime
1: this season. The Does that surprise you? I thought potentially the, a Thursday they didn't nighter. They it up a little bit like they have in the past?
0: Um, I thought potentially they'd get a Thursday-nighter, but then the more I thought back to that Colts-Broncos game, and I just remembered I still have
1: scars in my eyes. From I the think Al Michaels s- still wakes up in a cold sweat from that, right?
0: I'll never forget Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet. Was it Street trying to hype it up or Michaels trying to hype it up and the other one saying, like, Al, this game's terrible? One of the two tried to hype it up and the other one at some I, I point think was like.
1: Was, well, I, didn't Al Michaels, like, halfway through the game finally say, like, this is like the war. like don't yeah. don't make this go into overtime or something like that. And I think he said didn't Al Michaels make a snide comment about it the next week? Of like, yeah, we, we kind of apologize for
0: I think so. Well, I think next week it was almost equally as bad. It was. I, there I, were two in a row, right? I forget who the teams were. I you know, there have been several years, Jake, in the day after the schedule release, I have been, I think, a huge advocate for the Colts not hosting primetime games, particularly at home. I thought they've deserved it in recent years. I think the numbers have been really a joke that they haven't played more in primetime, particularly at home. There is absolutely no carrying of the water today for that. I mean, they, you have to earn it to a degree, and four twelve and one doesn't earn it. And I get the Anthony Richardson hype, but if you look at the Thursday night schedule this year, it is a much more let's give Amazon a little bit more than we gave them last year sort of focus to it.
1: Now, bigger disappearing act involving the Sun. The one this morning in Indianapolis or Phoenix in game six.
0: You know what? Um, God, were they down 30 at half last yes, night? Yes, at home. That's when I finally an an said, elimination enough, game. enough. it's a great, And I get no DeAndre Aiden. I get no Chris Paul. You still got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And, you know, it is one... To be said for, we've had this trend in college basketball lately, where, and UConn certainly checks this box, um, where we have had teams win the national championship, where continuity has reigned over McDonald's All-American, five-star freshman, even heavy transfer portal, which I know has been more in recent years. And Jake, won for Denver over Phoenix is one for the continuity crowd. I mean, Denver has a star. Nikola Jokic is an absolute star. He just averaged a triple-double in that series. But they've got a team that, if I'm not mistaken, I believe their entire rotation was with that team at the start of the year. And chemistry won out. Yeah. I mean, individual talent, Phoenix has got more of it. You know, when you look at starting fives. But some injuries obviously happened in that series for them. And even when they were healthy, Denver was the better team. So we have one team into the conference finals. The Nuggets win that series 4-2. And Jake... Boy, you imagine being a Philly fan waking up today?
1: I mean, I, I what what have I told you from the get go in terms of how I, I'm not saying I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, I'm saying this to say like, see, I was right, but I've just had this gut feeling about Boston. I, I Jason Tatum to me, Tatum has a little bit of Reggie Miller in him. And I don't mean that to say that he has like the nine point, you know. Eight points and nine seconds, type thing. But he does have, like, kind of this nastiness about him and competitiveness about him where he can miss 20 straight shots. But when the game's on the line, he's like, give me the rock. Just give me the ball. I mean, he is cold blooded when it matters most. And last night, did you watch? I mean, when he, there it was. Philly was right there, really had the game. I'm not going to say in hand by any stretch of the imagination, it was a one possession game. But Tatum gets hot and hits you know, six points in a 40 second span or whatever and completely turned that game.
0: Yeah, the final score is not indicative of how that game went at all, really. Um, I think it was a 14 3 run by the Celtics to close that game out. Tatum was one of 13 in the first three quarters, which, you know, you think back to last year when Boston won in Milwaukee in a, in a. In a elimination game, just like it was last night. Tatum was absolutely incredible in that game. Uh, But to your point, Jake, he had 16 there um, in the final quarter, and and it was just huge for them. James Harden, Tobias Harris, uh, 5 of 23 combined, 0 of 7 from 3. So now we've got Game 7 coming up on Sunday. Jake, will we have any other Game 7s? Either of these two tonight. Will they go to a seventh game? Heat and Lakers, both with the ability to close it out on their home floor. I
1: think they both do. I would be more concerned for L.A., but I think they both close it out. Your thoughts?
0: Anthony Davis injury of concern at all?
1: Of course. I mean, no doubt about that. I, I, I do think that LeBron James is still, as I have said, their key is going to be now running through Anthony Davis and not as much LeBron, but LeBron still does have enough juice in him that in a he I don't know that LeBron is still a seven game, every game lead guy, but there have been enough times in his career when he has had to elevate that he has been able to do that to carry a team. He's older now, obviously, but he is capable of it. I just don't know that he can do it for like three, four, five, six, seven games in a series.
0: You know, picture your street fighter video game. And making sure that you, I guess, officially eliminate slash kill your opponent. Uh, that's what it feels like, I think, in getting rid of the Warriors.
1: Oh, undoubtedly. They have
0: not lost before the NBA Finals with Steve Kerr as their head coach.
1: That's Yeah, that's crazy.
0: When they make the playoffs, they go to the Finals. So that is the task for the Lakers tonight. Clay Thompson, who has struggled, certainly... Uh, In this series, uh, Game 6, Clay, a lot of people bring up how great he has been in games away from Golden State in these moments. Again, the health of Anthony Davis. Does LeBron still have that extra gear? The Lakers supporting cast I think has been pretty darn good throughout these playoffs. Uh, Can they do it on this stage? Uh, So that's what we're going to get tonight. Uh, Again, it'll be the Heat and the Knicks at 730 and the Lakers and the Warriors. Last I saw, I think the Heat were favored by 5.5. I think the Lakers are favored by a couple. I I, Two and a half for the Lakers.
1: The winner of Boston Philly will have home court throughout, right? Correct. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, it it feels to me
0: like. That's got to be a kick in the you-know-what for the Sixers fans last night. On your home floor, the high of winning game five on the road. I believe they lost five straight Eastern Conference semifinals.
1: If the Eastern Conference was, if this was a political race and the Eastern Conference had to select their nominee to send into the NBA finals based on the team that they feel would most responsibly finish the job for the East, you would go with Boston, right? <laughs> Don't you more trust Boston than Philly sure, to get yeah, it done for yeah.
0: you? I mean, James Harden has been
1: some highs, highs, and some lows, lows. Right. I mean, when he's good, he's really, really good. But You see the
0: Pacers got their first draft workout today?
1: The first draft workout for the Pacers that will be amongst many involves who? Uh,
0: really, I thought one of the best players in college basketball last year and certainly an all-first-team facial hair, um, Jaime Jaquez from UCLA, will be part of today's workout. Uh, it's not a household name list. I mean, certainly there's some names on there, Haw- Hawk has being one of them. Uh, you remember Andre Jackson for UConn? Yes. kind of did it all. Really athletic, glue guy for them. He will be a part of the workout as well. And I think this is something to keep in mind at the Pacers as we get through the next, really, month. Again, the lottery will come up on Tuesday. Jake, they've got five picks all throughout the draft. So you're going to see pretty random workout groups throughout the next couple of weeks. Because, again, they could pick as high as hell one, and I want to say that they have a second-round pick like in the 50s. Uh, they've got two in the late first round. They've got one potentially early second. So you're going to see different pockets of the draft have workout guys in here. This seems to be like a more of a second-round pocket group of guys. And obviously, you're doing this before the combine next week. You're doing it before the the lottery Um but yeah, Andre Jackson Jr., Jaime Jaquez, probably the two names that recognize the mo- most. Uh, Arthur Kaluma from Creighton, watch him um, this year, He's a pretty good player as well. Butler fans might recognize that name. So a six-man group for the Pacers in their first draft workout ahead of Tuesday's lottery.
1: Who was the player, and I know we're up against it, but... You know, every, when the Pacers do the workouts, they usually invite in some local guys or guys that played locally, you know, kind of like the Colts did with the local day for the NFL. Uh-huh. And I can't believe that I have forgotten this this player's name, so I need help remembering it. But it was one of the most random, like, rookie free agent signings ever. And, I mean, they I, I don't think it was, like, a huge contract. But who was the shooter out of Indiana – that the Pacers signed, they brought him in for a workout, and then signed him to like, I think it was like a Mad Ants contract. But they signed him for like a year, and it was like, wait, what? It's like a nine-point-per-game score in Indiana that just was a three-point shooter.
0: Well, shooters and Indiana University don't seem to go together I know. very well over the last few years. The The name that pops in my head is
1: the transfer, uh, Nick Zysloff. That's it, that's who it was, Nick Zysloff, yep, from Illinois State, right? That sounds right. They signed him. The Pacers signed him to like a one that, or two year deal good, after a workout. on that. I totally forgot about him. And I'm like, that is the oddest. Nothing against Nick Zyceloff. He was a
0: great shooter. Sure. But just like. Was that like the year after Duncan Robinson? Or maybe every team I, you know was what? like.
1: And that I was just going to say, that had Miami Heat written all over yeah. it, right? Max Struess. It's almost yeah. like every team should try that with their G League. All right.
0: Find the best shooter in college basketball or the best one we can find. Yeah,
1: you're right. Throw
0: him on the G League
1: and see what can happen. My buddy and I used to have a running joke when we were at IU about Pat Graham that they should have just put an X on the floor at Assembly Hall and said, just stand here, and when the ball comes to you, shoot it. Because, you know, he was like the most unbelievable shooter of all time.
0: But had trouble recovering, But wasn't
1: overly athletic, yes. Just stand here and shoot the ball. Would have been, that's all you need to do.
0: If you're not going to recover, Greg Graham.
1: That was Greg Graham, yeah, that's right. Greg
0: Graham, I'm thinking of. Greg Graham, but, not Pat, Well, Pat ironically,
1: Graham. Pat Graham would have been a much slower recovery than Greg Graham. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Sam Fritz with us here on this Friday morning. And Bernard Ryman going to join us at 830. Um, so looking forward to that conversation. We'll continue a lot of Colts schedule focus throughout the day. Um, and also hit on what was a big night in the NBA with the Nuggets moving on. And tonight, a couple of opportunities for the home teams to clinch and move forward. And uh, it's a busy weekend for Jake over at the Grand Prix. So we'll chat about that as well. You'll listen to Kevin and Corey right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
1: It's become yet another chapter in the NFL's calendar. That doesn't make sense. There's no chapters in the calendar, but another page in the NFL calendar year-round. Schedule release day, and some of the teams do do pretty creative videos to let people know what their schedule release, what the schedule is. Kevin, your two favorites. The, the Colts involved i thought it was creative yeah i agreed eating the cuisine of the different cities in in which they're going to play yeah deforce buckner grover stewart uh you would go with who for your favorite schedule release video
0: super bowl matchup and this does not make sense but it would be titans and chargers no questions asked
1: those two okay so the titans schedule release was them interviewing predominantly like young 20 year olds on broadway Uh uh-huh outstanding showing them the logo of nfl teams and then the people had to say who it was and then that's how they labeled it they thought
0: the colts were america's team several times in said video the chargers take it to like another level with just ripping other teams and players it's hilarious
1: absolutely hilarious uh by the way the chargers one takes a little thinking though schedule for the colts Opening up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then it's at Houston, at Baltimore, and home against the Rams. That is your first quarter of games for the Colts in the 2023 season. In terms of schedules on the collegiate side, the starting games for the following. I'm going to tell you the game. You just simply tell me which one you think is the toughest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You ready? Or who's playing it? At home against Ohio State. At home against Fresno State. Neutral field against Navy. At Kentucky. At Kentucky. Obviously, the hardest is home against Ohio State, right?
0: That's Indiana,
1: correct? Indiana opening up against Ohio State on September 2nd. Same day, Fresno State at Purdue. It is "Ah, Notre Dame and Navy. That's in Dublin. Dublin, Ireland.
0: Sam's shaking his head. Doesn't think that's very good. What's that?
1: Why are those guys arriving on boats? Uh, Then Ball State in Kentucky on September 2nd. Butler, by the way, opening at Montana. Four of the first
0: six games for the Colts against the AFC South. Another heavy front-loaded divisional slate here in 2023. All right, last night on the hardwood, you had the Denver Nuggets moving on. 4-2 winners over the Suns. They were up 30 at halftime. 30 points on the road, and that was an elimination game for the Phoenix Suns. No Chris Paul, no DeAndre Ayton, Nikola Jokic, another triple-double for him. And Jake, the Celtics keep it alive. They win in Philly last night. Jason Tatum. Couldn't throw it in the – what, is the Atlantic the closest body of water to Philadelphia there? That would be, yeah. Um, Couldn't throw it in the Atlantic Ocean, but in the fourth quarter, he made some big plays, big shots, and the Celtics go on a late run to win that game. Robert Williams, really key for Boston in that one. So we will have one game seven. That will be on Sunday. Boston and Philly back in Boston. Jake, tonight the Lakers and the Heat can both clinch on their home floor. Potentially game sevens, though, in both of those matches.
1: I believe the Delaware River, also in Philadelphia, is it not? Is that what Washington crossed? He did, yep. Okay. It was icy, too, right? Christmas? That's right. Stood up. You know, you've seen the pictures. I don't need to tell you about it. Uh, yeah. Major League They're Baseball. on Instagram. Red, <laughs> Reds over the Mets, 5 nothing. They had terrible service back there. It took forever for that picture to get out. Uh, Giants over the Diamondbacks, 6-2. It was the Royals, 4-3 over the White Sox. Rays over the Yanks, 8-2. Rangers over the Athletics. What is the Athletics record now? 4-0 boy
0: there's an argument to be made the colts might win more games than the are athletics the athletics in
1: double digit wins yet no
0: oh no i think it's eight
1: are you serious i believe so padres and tw- twins over the padres 5-3 in interleague play and the indianapolis indians nipped by the st Saint paul saints 8-7 just embarrassing i mean motivation
0: mother's day and they haven't even won double digit games are you sure they haven't I, i'm i pretty sure it's eight i just checked they're 8-31 wow Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all of our moms out there. 8 and 31. Aunts, grandmas, sister-in-laws, everybody out there. Uh, Jake, the GP schedule coming up. You said 4 o'clock for quals, right?
1: That's correct. Indy Next is going to qualify at 220. That is formerly known as Indy Lights. Uh, They will qualify at 220 today from 220 to 240. And then the... IndyCar, they have a practice, actually, that gets underway here in about two hours. But qualifying today for the GMR Grand Prix, will, Grand Prix easy for me to say, will be at 4 o'clock today. And they do run, I want to emphasize again for those that are unfamiliar, they will run in the rain. They will not run through large standing water or lightning.
0: So keep an eye on that. It does look like the rain amount is kind of lessened here for today and even tomorrow. Uh, again, green flag tomorrow coming up at 3.30. All right, we'll get back into the Colts schedule talk. On the other side, Bernard Ryman, I'll be back. He joins us coming up at 8.30 here. It is an overcast start to this Friday in Indy. Kevin Acquary right here on 93.5,
1: 107.5 The Fan. 16 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Good morning to you on a Friday. As Kevin had mentioned, it will be two weeks from today. As a matter of fact, the next two Fridays pretty darn cool. You've got Fast Friday a week from today. You've got Carb Day two weeks from today. That means, and I just texted uh, Michael in Australia and told him, uh, we need beers with the Australians live on the air on Carberry.
0: Oh, without question. Without question. Uh, are we just slamming Fosters with them?
1: That's right. That's Australian for beer.
0: Mm-hmm. I had them on my birthday a few years ago. Boy, that thing will fill you up. The I love the can. Not with the Australians, but I had a Fosters.
1: Um, do you say, Kevin, you asked me this during the break, and it, this is a question that probably has no definitive and nor will it answer and i think i actually on this and i like to be somebody that's relatively consistent it's such an indiana question it is and i think i flip-flop quite frankly is it the gmr grand prix or grand prix I, uh, I,
0: i say grand but i feel like my indiana in me should say grand right
1: I don't disagree. You're the racing guy. You tell me. I think, I don't know, but I think that I say Grand. When I'm doing a broadcast, I would say the GMR Grand Prix. It just, for whatever reason, it flows one or the other more easily. However. Gala, gala. I think that when it was, if it was the such and such presented by, I would maybe be more tempted to say the Grand Prix presented. I don't know. But. I know the movie, there was a famous movie about racing, and I call that Grand Prix. But I think I say Grand Prix when I'm referring to the title of the race. It's kind of weird. I, but I'm going to go with Grand.
0: I think I'll be out there tomorrow. And you've suggested either the mounds near you or kind of that turn one view, which is actually more of like a turn four of the oval.
1: Correct. So if you were to go in... If you were going into IMS on a regular day, on, a, on an oval day, so we'll put it in the oval language, uh-huh. okay, turn four of the oval, where you would normally be sitting on the outside of the turn as they're coming out of the turn of turn four, those seats right there, which I think is like Stan J, yeah. are pretty good because you see them taking the right-hand turn going away from you into the infield, but there's a... There are a lot of turns right there, mm-hmm. and it gets real narrow, real fast for that group as they roar into turn number one of the of the road course. The other thing is once they go onto the road course, they come down the main straightaway, which is Holman Boulevard. If you've ever driven into the racetrack and you just drive that main road past the museum, that's Holman Boulevard. That becomes a straightaway in the middle artery of the road course, and then they take a left-handed turn that then puts them onto... Turn two of the oval, what you normally think of as turn two of the oval. There are bleachers at the in the infield along the grass where like if they didn't make that left-hand turn, they would go right into, obviously there's barriers. Those bleachers would be pretty cool as well because you're seeing them have to come from a high rate of speed and then suddenly take a left-handed turn and a lot of the cars will get wide, go through the grass in that area. There are some cool viewing areas for sure and it is a fun, and I get it. The month of May, you think about the Oval, and you think about the Indianapolis 500-mile race. But this is the style of racing that the majority of the series is, a road and street course.
0: Tuesday, uh, that's when um, Oval Action will pick back up today, or um, next week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Obviously, practices Friday again, Fast Friday. Uh, Saturday, you'll set the field 13-30 to on Saturday. And then next Sunday is when we'll get into the one bump and then uh, settle the first four rows Um, I think an interesting note, Jake, when you look at this Colts schedule, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, There is a heavy young rookie quarterback flair to it, not just Anthony Richardson, of course, from an opponent standpoint. If you want to kind of map out when you could see some rookie quarterbacks, uh, you could see C.J. Stroud in Week 2, Colts-Texans. You could see Will Levis in Week 5. Bryce Young will come in Week 9. Again, that is the only... uh, four o'clock kick the Colts have scheduled all year long it's 405 at Carolina to face Frank Reich and Bryce Young and then the back end of that schedule has a little bit more
1: of a rookie QB young QB flair oh I mean you're not gonna see if everybody is going with here's what's interesting if everybody is going with their assumed starting quarterback, okay, then Kevin, after Halloween, the Colts would face two quarterbacks that have been in the league more than two years, right?
0: Uh, in terms of assumed
1: starters. Because three, you've got-
0: right? Don't you got Baker, Mayfield, Joe Burrow, and Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: Uh, where am I looking at Baker Mayfield here? Baker with schedule. Tampa. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking Tampa would be starting.
0: Well, who knows? I mean, in week 12, Tampa could be on to Kyle Trask.
1: I thought I kind of was under the assumption Trask would be starting, but I forgot Baker would sign there. I...
0: I mean, who the hell knows? It's it, it's Baker. But yeah,
1: I mean, outside of that borough, and then, I, I mean, you're probably looking at Ritter in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Kenny Pickett, of course, with Pittsburgh. Kenny
0: Pickett with Pittsburgh. I, I mean. And then CJ Stroud to close out the year. In week 18 so you know five of your 17 games could be against rookie QBs if you want to take it a step further throw in Pickett throw in Ritter seven of the 17 could be against first or second year QBs Um, so that is an interesting twist if you had to label Jake maybe the hardest stretch where would you go for that
1: hardest stretch would be let's go like a three game range The, the hardest three-game stretch will be at Tennessee, at Cincinnati, Pittsburgh at home. Yeah. And I think they'll beat Pittsburgh at home, but I'm just saying – That's you know, kind of what stands out to me. Those are, you know you can get battered a little bit there.
0: I saw a few people mention the first three. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's fair. Actually. Home to Jacksonville,
0: at Houston, at Baltimore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, at Houston – Houston's intriguing. I mean, Houston may be – you're starting a young quarterback. I mean, that's a big challenge. But I think defensively Houston will be improved, obviously. So that might be a challenge. But okay, I, there's nothing, no, there's n- nothing, Kevin, none of this is daunting. No, none right? of this is murderous row. Nothing. Not at all. I it's, mean, this is like... You know, there's... I'll put this again in racing terms. For the .08% of our audience that would prefer racing over the NFL. Um... <laughs> But it's the month of May. If you look at the Indianapolis Five Hundred in the around the time of the split, quite frankly, a lot of people talk about the split being the, the main core reason for like the the challenges of the Indianapolis Five Hundred and open wheel racing, and that's undoubtedly true. But another factor that people don't talk about: AJ Foyt, Johnny Rutherford, Rick Mears, Emerson Fittipaldi, Bobby Rahal. Danny Sullivan, Gordon Johncock, those guys all retired within like three years of each other and not literally three, but, but pretty close my, you know, Mario. And then all of a sudden by the mid to late nineties, it's like, who is this Tony Kinnan? Who is this Helio Castro? What is this guy's name? It took a while for those guys to get established, right? There was a complete changeover of the personalities that we know. When you look at the quarterbacks in the National Football League, you're kind of going through that right now. I mean, Kenny Pickett and. Well, you, certainly the AFC South. Half of this schedule, the vast majority of this schedule are teams that are either rolling out a brand new quarterback or still trying to get the feet wet and figure out whether or not the guy they have under quarterback is their guy. This is probably for New England, for Mac Jones, who's been a good player. But this is probably the year where they figure out. Okay, we've got to make a decision here. Or is this our is this our ride or die, or do we move on and do we go in another direction? Atlanta is just now entering into that with a guy. Is this we got to give this guy a look? We got to kick the tires here. You know, Vegas is. They have a guy that obviously has some time under his belt, but they don't know how that's going to mesh. Tampa's got one guy that three other people have kicked the tires on and they're wondering whether they do that or they go ahead and turn the keys over to a guy that they thought might be Alexis, but in fact he might be more of a Civic. They just don't know, right? But literally, there's not a whole lot of sexiness that jumps out at you in terms of the quarterbacking play, not because they're not good players, but so many of them are so young we don't know them yet. We don't know who they are.
0: Part of that happens when you play the AFC South and the NFC South. In both these divisions, I mean, Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback when you combine those two divisions, which, you know, is just pretty crazy to say. Um, I mean, last year at this time, you would have labeled him the fourth best quarterback in his own division now. That was before Russell Wilson looked terrible last season. But um, part of that comes with the nature of, you know, how the schedule has been handed to the Colts here in 2023. The Colts will have, I I should mention, they will have one primetime game this season. We'll explain more on the other side of that one. It's not necessarily the primetime game everyone would have thought about or is thinking about. And could we have a joint practice for what I think would be the fifth year in a row, take out COVID? Seems like it's been a pretty annual occurrence. Um At Grand Park, it'll be a familiar face, it sounds like. Um Coming to Westfield here later this year to have a couple joint practices with the Colts. We'll touch on that on the other side, again, an overcast Friday here in Indy. The rain chances a little bit less than we thought, but we'll continue to monitor that throughout the day as cars begin to get on the track over on the road course at IMS with quals coming up at 4 o'clock today. You'll Listen to Kevin and Sam Fritz in for Mark Dykton. I'm Kevin Bowen. Jake Quarry as well.
1: Bernard Ryman going to join us 30 minutes from now. He probably considers coming back on this program, as he had promised last time we had him on. I'll be back. And he will be exactly that coming up in 30 minutes.
0: we got to find that clip, Sam. That was so good.
1: That so was, good. It was strong. He probably considers that a, a prime slot being on our program. Uh, but in terms of the Colts' schedule, prime time, not necessarily uh, found on it. But, Kevin, a bit of a curveball. They will get some opportunity, right?
0: They will, yes. The primetime slate for the Colts does include one game, albeit it comes during the month of August when, I guess, those games don't count. Uh, they will be playing on Amazon, Jake, a Thursday-nighter in the preseason. That will be against Shane Steichen's old team, Philadelphia Eagles, Thursday night primetime game. How about that? August 24th, 8 p.m. on Amazon Prime.
1: Now, which prime or which preseason game is that? That is the final one, week three. I always forget. Preseason game three is the one where you kind of get the starters for usually what a quarter and a half, maybe even a half. Yeah, you know, and then so much of it. Preseason four is usually the one that's the biggest throw. Well, we don't have the fourth anymore. That's (laughs) right. That's right. Yeah. So so preseason three is you probably are not getting a lot of names, right?
0: To me, it seems odd. I mean, if you look at it, that game is on August twenty fourth. Okay, it's a Thursday nighter, August twenty fourth. You then don't play your real football game until September 10th. I mean, Jake, that's 17 days. I think 17 days is enough to play your starters that night. The question probably becomes, you're playing. So the preseason schedule looks like this. August 12th, it's a Saturday. You're playing at 1 o'clock in Buffalo. Second year in a row, I believe, they've had the preseason opener in Buffalo. The next week, you've got the Bears here at Lucas Oil Stadium. So Mark Dykton, very happy about that. That is a seven o'clock Saturday night game with the Bears. Then you play five days later with the Eagles. Again, that's a primetime game, the final game of the preseason. I guess the question becomes: Do you play your starters more in Week Two, or do you say no? Let's let off the pedal a little bit. It's a five-day turnaround to Week Three of the preseason. And play them against the Eagles. That, that's and good how much does Anthony Richardson need to play in the preseason? If he's your Week One starter, Jake, do you treat him with any sort of kid gloves? Do you in the think preseason? he's your Week One starter? My slight gut says yes. Um, I think he should be.
1: Now, do you mean by that that your feeling in your gut is slight or that your gut itself is slight?
0: Oh, the gut is no longer slight. (laughs) I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, that YouTube commenter said, I like Kevin Bowen. and he looks like he eats a lot of cheese and drinks a lot of beer. Well, that is starting to show.
1: That's that's high praise, really. I I took it as I tried to add it to my LinkedIn. By the way, this from Shane. Would you rather see the Colts make the playoffs or get a top three pick and get Marvin Harrison Jr. next year? Gosh, that's the
0: easiest question I've had asked all day. Really? We'll have all day. Oh, top three pick. Hell yeah.
1: Everyone, though, has that thought on Marvin Harrison Jr., right?
0: Does the Peyton Manning era take off to the level it did without Edron James?
1: Depends whether or not they keep Marshall Falk. Because you got to think, I mean, in hindsight –
0: does the Peyton Manning era take off to the degree that it did without Dwight Freeney?
1: You know, the Peyton Manning era probably took takes off at the same acceleration with Marshall Falk, but it might have had a, a faster drop-off. I mean,
0: You can make the argument Freeney was the more important if you're going to go to the running back yeah. or, or the defensive end. Yeah, I think, and this is a debate we'll probably have several times, Jake, between now and the start of the year. I don't think anyone views this roster as you're set in stone right now. I think you still need another couple of major pieces. And I get that cheering for losses and all of that, it sucks. But look at how we view this Pacers season. I think everybody made it through that 82-game Pacers season quite fine. And they're sitting here in a beautiful position to have another top 10 pick, potentially pretty high. Their young players showed a lot of promise. That, to me, is exactly what you want the Colt season to be about. You need to support Anthony Richardson. Brought this up before. Jake, look at the Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts careers. Both of them are frequently used as Anthony Richardson comparisons. Josh Allen really took off when they made the trade for Stephon Diggs. Totally. Jalen Hurts ascended to another level when they made the trade for A.J. Brown. You still need that type here. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, nice young group.
1: Need one more major one. Josh Downs, again, he may be – I mean, there have been guys – we have seen plenty of this, right? That you're like, oh, wow. And then come Sunday, you're like, well, whatever happened to that guy? I don't think that's going to be the case with him. But he could bring to them a wrinkle that they have desperately been needing. I would agree. And you know, I said this,
0: I think, to maybe with Stephen Holder the other day. His strength, the short areas of the field – I think is where Anthony Richardson right now, you call it a weakness. So I think that is important as well. By the way, joint practices for the Colts, it sounds like, and this is the Chicago side of it, reporting this, it sounds like the Bears will be coming to Grand Park for those. Nothing set in stone from a date standpoint. Again, this is the Chicago people reporting it last night, but if it follows a similar schedule to what we've had in years past up in Westfield, the Colts and Bears play in the preseason Saturday, August 19th. So, that's a Saturday, of course. That would mean that Wednesday and Thursday, so that's the 16th and 17th, would-be joint practices with the Bears. Again, I'm just guessing based off past years here, but that'll be something to keep in mind if you're looking to get out to Grand Park and see the Colts and the Bears um, square off.
1: How would you answer this question for me, Kevin? So, my friend Michael in Australia, who's coming for the 500 with his seven buddies, and they made reservations at Saint Elmo on Thursday night before carb day as i mentioned earlier at 9:45 at night yeah I mean, that's pretty much friday morning and i <laughs> and i said yeah but you got to be like you know pace yourself cuz you got to be geared up for carb day so he asked me this question what is this carb day and what happens <laughs> oh man how, how do you tree. explain how do you explain carb day yeah to a guy who owns racehorses in australia boy ah adult debauchery
0: i i boy is there a video out there <laughs> that Can him properly is it safe yeah, for called work? girls gone
1: wild yes
0: <laughs> um yeah obviously a different type of car than he's probably thinking although you do get some food in you at some point uh, is he a brian adams
1: fan that's a good question i mean he's Michael is probably four years older than I. He's 54, 55. So that's kind of his wheelhouse. But I, I don't – a fan, you know, I don't know if anybody's like – I mean, Brian Adams, I think it's a good Carb Day concert because you know 10 songs deep, right? Sure.
0: You tell Michael I'll have a Keystone Light waiting for him. And if that doesn't want him to ride first class from <laughs> Melbourne to <laughs> Indy, I don't know what will.
1: So, I yeah, they're going to come from Miami – I'm sorry – from Melbourne to L.A. to to Miami to the 500 and then to Vegas and Hawaii. Can you imagine going straight from the Indy 500 to Vegas? What does Michael do for a living? Well, um... Sorry to get personal, but jeez. Oh, I, he, um... He owns a fleet trucking company in Australia, and then he is a retired... Do these trucks fly? <laughs> He's a... This is how my life works, Kevin. Okay? I'm at a pacer game, I hear a guy behind me with an accent. I say I turn around. And you
0: just can't I just sit there and be quiet, can you?
1: No. So I turn around and I say, I notice you have an accent. Where are you from? I'm from Australia. Why you know, and I've told the story. Why are you here? Well, we love the pacers and we so we flew to Indianapolis to go to three pacer games for the week. And I said, Well, have you been to the, like, have you been around? So I give him my phone number. I said, call me. I'll, I'll tour you around. He said he tried to drive. It was icy. It was in the middle of the winter. And he's like, I, I, I hired a car, as they say there. I hired a car, meaning rented. And I realized I couldn't drive in the snow. So he calls me and says, I don't know if I should regret, the, if I'll regret this or not. But yes, I think we'll take you up on your offer. So I took them to the Speedway and ended up taking he and his son Marcus all around. And friendship starts from there. So he gets back to Australia and texts me and says, that was the most incredible experience ever, because he was here for like three or four days, and we ended up hanging out the whole time. And he said, for you to take me under your wing like that was greatly appreciated. I love showing off the city of Indianapolis, and I love doing it to people who are enthusiastic about Indianapolis, as he and Marcus were. So I had a a ball with it. And he said, I happen to own an open-air condo on the Gold Coast, Surfer's Paradise, I'm just going to send you the building code, and if you ever fly to Australia, you can just go directly to it and just let me know you're going to be there and for how long. (laughs) Then he sends me the pictures, and I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, He was a retired professional soccer player and soccer coach in Australia and now owns an over-the-road trucking service and I think it's one of the larger ones in in the country of Australia. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Great dude. Absolutely great guy.
0: That is an absolutely hell of a trip. Uh, Speaking of Vegas – How about this here from Adam Schefter? NFL legend Tom Brady is in deep discussions with the Las Vegas Raiders. Not to play. To become a limited partner of the Raiders. Potentially his second foray into a partnership with Raiders owner Mark Davis on a professional sports franchise in less than two months.
1: Okay, Does that mean, and I assume that means like in a minority ownership role? I I, I believe so. If that's the case, does that then prohibit or limit him from being a broadcaster for Fox? That's a good question. Because, you know, unless he's not doing Raiders games, but you still would think, if he is, here would be the thing that's of interest there to me. If Tom Brady has minority ownership in the Las Vegas Raiders... And you could say, well, he's not going to do any Raiders games or have anything to do with the Raiders. That's cool. Except for that, as a broadcaster, you go in. How often do you hear Troy Aikman or Chris Collinsworth or whoever it may be say, you know, we were talking to Gus Bradley on Friday and he was telling us that one of the things, because the broadcast team goes in and they sit in a production meeting for an hour or so with the coaches of – the respective teams before the game, usually on Friday or Saturday, before the game to get the layout of what to look for, what to expect, et cetera, et cetera. How can you do that if you were the Indianapolis Colts or you were the Los Angeles Chargers? Are you sitting down with Tom Brady, the analyst for Fox, to tell him about the inner workings of your franchise and where you feel you are if you know that he is a minority owner and another team in your division?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, 2024, right, was when he was supposed to get a start that's right. with that, Fox. It wasn't yeah. going to be necessarily this year. Um, so, Tom Brady already is a minority owner with the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team with Mark My Aves. cousin works for them, by the way. Really? Yep. Is this some of this Giselle money coming in handy for Tom? Not to get too personal here, but.
1: Well, isn't the Giselle money's no longer rolling in, right?
0: Well, didn't they divorce? So, wouldn't some of that money rolled in, though?
1: Does he get alimony? Since she was the breadwinner? <laughs> I
0: don't know how that how his, that works. His
1: fifty two million dollars a year was less than her ninety five million a year, so she's got to pay support.
0: So at some point Tom Brady could be the one making a decision on firing the guy he used to play for in Josh McDaniels.
1: That's a good point. If you were gonna own, if you were gonna be minority owner in a franchise, which means like, you know, you get a suite. Yeah, Vegas seems like a pretty a, good, good, idea. Parking spot. <laughs> good parking spot. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be the franchise, right? Well, in the Vegas sports
0: scene, and we pointed this out, I mean, it's boomed in the last decade. Well,
1: that, I mean, quite frankly, Kevin, if there was a franchise or a market where you would get the best return on investment in terms of the financial growth of the brand itself, Vegas would be it, right? Well,
0: and isn't that stadium hosting, if I'm not mistaken, Super Bowl, Final Four, National yeah, Championship mean, for
1: football coming up? I,
0: I would you know, guess that they could be in some sort of World Cup cycle, things like that. Um Say so pointed out that Brady did pursue something of this with the Dolphins recently. Stephen Ross, a Michigan grad, the owner of the Dolphins. Obviously, Stephen Ross got in trouble for tampering with Brady, uh, whatever that was, last year potentially. Um, I did see, this probably won't make too many people happy, but um, I did see uh, that Peyton made an appearance in the Denver Broncos season ticket. Or, uh, he did. Release. He
1: spoofed the office, right? He's done that now several years, right? One of the things, Kevin, that I have said numerous times on this program, one of the things that makes me sad for Indianapolis is that we don't have our – we do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I realize that George McGinnis still lives here, who was a phenomenal player and won championships for the Pacers and the ABA and is a absolute – teddy bear of a human being and is born and raised here and I realized that there are players you know Fred Jones and Scott Pollard and Ken Dilger who were wonderful players and wonderful guys that that have become a part of this community Marlon Jackson I, I get all of that but if you go to Denver there are John Elway car dealerships and steak restaurants and whatever else and everyone's like oh yeah my my wife you know has a is friends with John Elway's wife, you know that kind of thing. If you go to you know in Milwaukee, Paul Molitor or Robin Yount, like their footprint is still in Milwaukee. For Indianapolis, what makes me sad is that Reggie Miller and I understand it, but as much as Reggie Miller is I feel like we I know that Reggie Miller has a great pride of Indiana and he has a love for the people here, but People here hold on to Reggie Miller a lot more closely and a lot for a lot longer time and a lot more intimately than Reggie Miller holds on to Indiana. Reggie Miller comes back for games kind of when there's something that involves Reggie Miller. He doesn't just come back to come back. Peyton Manning is the one guy, Kevin, that – and I get it. I totally, 100% understand why Peyton Manning was released by the Indianapolis Colts. I think it was the right decision. I thought it was the right decision at the time. You can go back and revisit his history all you want. In that moment, with all with everything lined up, it was the right decision. I get it. It had nothing to do with Jim Irsay. Just the way that fate fell was a disappointment for me, for the city of Indianapolis, because Peyton Manning should be doing those videos for the Colts. Peyton Manning should be doing the Manning Cast from a house in in you know over in Williams Creek. Peyton Manning's kids should be about to enter Park Tudor or Westfield or Fisher's High School to watch. Marshall Manning as the freshman quarterback to see if he can throw up the same kind of numbers that, you know, Arch Manning did last year in high school. All of those things should be, Peyton Manning should be still living in, eating in Indianapolis. People should be able to run into him at Patitube. People should be like, oh my gosh, he should be still the dignitary face of the city of Indianapolis. It is at no fault of Peyton Manning's. It is at no fault of Jim Irsay's. It is at no fault of Andrew Lux. It is at no fault of anybody's that that didn't work out that way. That was the way that fate and some sort of a weird circumstance led it to be. But it's disappointing for me because that because Peyton Manning is a guy amongst—if you think I'm a sentiment and a loyalist and a nostalgic hold-on-to-the-past guy, Peyton Manning's a guy that would sit in his bedroom and listen to old tapes of his dad playing at Ole Miss— and Peyton Manning saw what his dad meant to the city of New Orleans. And Peyton Manning, when he got drafted into the NFL, had it in his mind, I'm going to go to a franchise, I'm going to play the entirety of my career at that franchise, and I'm going to be a pillar in that community for the rest of my life. And that is now happening in Denver. And it's disappointing. I I understand it, but it's disappointing.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, Hollywood isn't always reality.
1: You're right. That's exactly right. And I get it. Like I said, I totally get it. The irony being... Now the, you've got Grover Stewart and
0: DeForest Buckner eating foods to announce her schedule. Which I thought was a, <laughs> I thought it was a great was idea. But I'm, the,
1: I'm picturing the chef for the Colts having to whip all that up. The irony being the one guy that stayed in Indianapolis was Andrew Luck. Gosh, that's a great point. You know? The, guy, that, the guy that's got like a book club in town and rides his Schwinn around Military Park is Andrew Luck. And I realize now he's out of graduate school, but you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Um... Bernard Ryman going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Let's sneak in uh, Steve here. I know Steve's been hanging on the line. Uh, What's up, Steve?
3: Hey, guys. Good morning. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Hey, uh, a couple things. One, Jake, voice member on interstates on roads.
1: Say that one more time.
3: Nine, Nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine.
1: Well, Apparently so, because I was doing 70 and a 60. Like I said, though, man, I get it, right? I was, hey, listen, whether I was doing 61 or 70, I was speeding, so. Do you think if you were in the, the fast route? lane, you would have been better off? It's a good question.
3: Maybe. I mean, they just backed off a little. What, what, what,
0: what are you noticing? That's he, been all
3: right. <laughs> what else you got, Steve? Well, I want to tell everybody thank you for your um, kind thoughts and prayers for Roy like Milton. He's doing real good. The stuff had to come back,
1: had to spread. We're talking about Milton, the world's greatest rescue dog, right? Yes,
3: sir. Absolutely.
1: And Milton uh, had some health scares. How old is Milton now? Uh, about 12. 12-year-old Milton, who is the great – now, I'm going to ask for the I- – I did it before, I think, citywide prayers for Milton because he's the coolest little rescue dog ever, and we we simply want Milton enjoying you- – you're a Chiefs fan, Steve, I realize. We need Milton for another good luck Chiefs season, Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well for you, Macy. Steve,
0: thank you for the hat, by the way.
3: <laughs> hey, you're
0: welcome, sir. You're welcome. It's a great looking hat. I was rocking it the other day.
3: I Oh, Kevin's gonna have that one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jake's
0: graduation. It was a perfect time for it.
3: Yep. It looked good on you.
1: <laughs> Steve, we appreciate it. Um I didn't see the Chiefs schedule release. Did they do a creative one, Kevin? I would assume. I feel like
0: this is like the social media's Team Super Bowl, the schedule release.
1: Well, for the Chiefs, though, they, they have their own Super Bowls, right? <laughs>
0: that is a great point. I did see the Tyreek Hill return game will be in Frankfurt. Dolphins-Chiefs. That game will be the week before the Colts and the Patriots play in Frankfurt.
1: You know, you were talking earlier about players that that suddenly their addition can spark a team. Uh, Tyreek Hill's a good example of that well, in Miami. When he was healthy, I mean...
0: And again, I know Tua's dealing with his own stuff, Jake, but you could almost throw Tyreek Hill into the Tua, like taking his game to another level. When healthy, Tua is a is a quarterback the Dolphins should build around. Right. Um, similar to, again, A.J. Brown with Jalen Hurts, Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen, Bernard Ryman in a few. Jake, I did want you to tease uh, Sam Schmidt's going to join us at 9 o'clock. Um, I think I'll, I would think a decent amount of our listening audience knows his story, um, but he's got a fun event tonight and a lot of history in IndyCar, of course. And he's going to join us at nine. Uh, talk about a really cool cause.
1: Yeah, he's got um, Sam Schmidt, of course. I, I think everyone knows that is familiar with racing. Racing, at least, um, was a driver in the Indy Racing League when that series first began after the split, and then was paralyzed in a testing accident in Orlando. And you know, has just had this incredible spirit about him. Of, and I know he talked yesterday with JMV about how press your luck began his career, kind of an irony there, I guess, because, you know, his luck obviously did not go his direction in terms of that accident, but maybe it did in the fact that he survived, but became a quadriplegic and just said, you know what, I'm not going to let that deter me and became a car owner, the most successful car owner in Indy Lights history that then as a result of that became partnered with IndyCar teams, including now Arrow McLaren. Arrow has developed for him a car that he can drive uh, with his eyes and through a through breathing. Amazing. He's turned laps at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in a a car designed by Arrow. Um, And he does a fundraiser each and every year and has kids out that are going through challenges as well from a a physical standpoint. So we will talk to him about how people can get involved and help out um, and trying to help out and touch other people that whose lives have been dealt the same challenges that have Sam Schmidt.
0: Really looking forward to that conversation. Um, So he's going to join us at nine. Again, Bernard Ryman here in about five minutes. Let's do a morning check down.
1: Major League Baseball yesterday, it was the Reds over the Mets, 5 nothing. Giants over the Diamondbacks, 6-2. Light day yesterday in MLB. Royals over the White Sox, 4-3. Rays over the Yanks, 8-2. Rangers over the Athletics, who have now won eight games, 4 uh, nothing. Twins over the Padres in interleague play. And the St. Paul Saints, 8-7 winners over the Indianapolis Indians.
0: Last night on the hardwood, you had one team keep their season alive. That was the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum, awful through three quarters, 1-13. of He came alive in the fourth. Big run to close that one out, 95-86. James Harden, Tobias Harris really struggled for the 76ers, 5-23. of So, a missed opportunity for Philly on their home floor. Now, Game 7 will be in Boston coming up on Sunday. And Jake in the nightcap last night, that one was over
1: really by the end of the first quarter. I mean, 30-point advantage at the half for a team at home. Phoenix was down 30 in an elimination game. And Kevin Durant did not get off to a good start. He didn't have, obviously, a couple of his big weapons around him. So Denver advances, 125-100. to Nikola Jokic with 32 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Jamal Murray with 26. Nuggets are good, man. Denver Nuggets are awfully good. They are on their way to the Western Conference Finals. So the
0: Sixers couldn't do it last night at home. The Heat and the Lakers will try to do it at home tonight. The Heat, I um, I think favored by a handful, if I saw, five and a half maybe, against the Knicks. They're up 3-2 Miami in that series. And then the Lakers. We'll see about Anthony Davis. Seems like he's going to give it a go. Uh, Favored by a couple points as they take on the Warriors in game six. Said it earlier. Steve Kerr in the playoffs, the Warriors have never lost before the NBA Finals.
1: The Denver Nuggets, by the way, are the only of the four original ABA teams to have never made an NBA Finals. So they would be, they are the last one. So the Spurs, Nets, and Pacers probably pulling for them to make that quartet all, of course, obviously the Nets and Pacers didn't win, but the Spurs have. All enough, right, enough for all of them.
0: Bernard ryman talk about a happy individual when he heard the news of the Colts playing in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, the big fella, the left tackle for the Colts, he's going to join us next here on Kevin and Corey. Half
1: past eight in Indianapolis, for that matter, it's half past eight everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake quarry Kevin Bowen here as well, Sam Fritz in for Mark Dyketon today. Shortly after the NFL draft, I can't recall exactly what point in the season it was, Kevin, when we had on Bernard Ryman. I feel like it was right around a year ago. I think that's right. Like this time. He was obviously a recently drafted offensive lineman out of Central Michigan when we had him on, and because his native country is that the same of Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, we actually had him record this audio for us. Here we go. And guess what, Kevin? He fulfills his <laughs> uh, his prophecy this morning, right? Words turned into action. Bernard Ryman, that was arguably
0: our favorite clip on this radio show. We are happy to have you back here on this Friday
4: morning. Thank you. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, your emotions, Bernard. I, I was in the media room the other day, and when someone asked you about the game in Frankfurt, Germany, I have never seen a smile so big in my life. Uh, your emotions when you got word, that the Colts will be heading to Frankfurt, Germany this coming season?
4: Yeah, this was just an unbelievable feeling. I mean, um, texted my family right away. They were all over the moon about it. And it's just, I you know, can't even describe the feeling. We are all super excited and we can't wait.
0: Okay, give us a little bit of geography here. Okay, Frankfurt, Germany is how close to your hometown in Austria?
4: Um, Well, it's probably like a seven-hour drive. So it's definitely doable. Um, obviously, a flight would be a lot quicker, but um, I would say both is definitely possible. And yeah, definitely closer than flying all the way um, across the ocean to come here. So <laughs> they're all super excited.
1: Does it make you? It's gonna sound crazy. Does it kind of make you nervous? Because you always want to perform well, but if all of a sudden you realize that now you've got people that are making that drive to come see specifically you. And if it does make you nervous, how is that different than the pressure that I'm sure you put on yourself to simply perform last year?
4: Um, I mean, I don't think it's, it's very different to any of the other games. Um, obviously, you always want to perform your best um, for your team, not just for the people who are watching. But I've also had a great support system in my family the, the last you know couple of years, like in college and also last season. They've always, you know, stayed up late to watch the games on T V or recorded the games and, you know, watched the the following day or something. So I always knew they were watching and I don't think this will be much different then.
1: Bernard, there was so much scrutiny of your because of the position you play in particular. And I think that a lot of people forget that Anthony Costanzo, who for the most part was the last pillared left tackle, um, he worked really hard, and it took him a while, and it probably was year two or three before he started to show that, in fact, yes, he, he was the staple at that position. You definitely made strides as a rookie. I'm curious from your standpoint, at what point in the season did you finally get that feeling of comfort where you were just going in and doing your job as opposed to having your head on a swivel at all times?
4: Um, That's – kind of tough to say obviously um struggle in the beginning but um with the the patriots game it still didn't go the way i wanted it to but there were still um times where i was like okay i got this and i um i always i always knew i could do it but then you know being able to see it on film that you can actually do it, it's this um you know reassuring so um Probably around like after Patriots game on, it it felt more comfortable, and then and every game from there now, it just became more comfortable, um, build up more and more chemistry, you know, um, playing next to Q, and um, just overall, um, the the game slowed down a little bit, so that definitely made it easier.
0: He's heading into year two. Bernard Ryman, number 79, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bernard, I want to go back to your family seeing you play here for just a second. Uh, Obviously, it's super expensive to just travel over the States and watch you play. Uh, You throw in COVID on top of that, and it's been quite the challenge uh, for your family to see you play. Do you mind sharing? I think you said that your dad came over for one game last year, but the last time that your family has seen you
4: play was when? Um, oh yeah, so besides my dad coming last year, um, last time they saw me play was when I played for the Vienna Vikings, um, so I was in Austria, um, we played like the the national championship in Austria, um, you know, won the game, so it was like really exciting, good send off, I would say, and yeah, that was really the, the last time, you know, before I then headed over to college and the NFL, then. That they were all together watching a game.
0: You want to throw in a little humble brag about maybe what you did in that game? <laughs>
4: oh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, they score a touchdown, so that was that was a little cherry on top.
0: Jake, you could you know maybe go to Shane Steichen's offense. Didn't didn't Anthony Costanzo catch a touchdown in a game? Maybe a Danny Pinter. <laughs> I, you know, I think a little tackle eligible right, coming right. up here. Yeah, why not?
4: Yeah. Right?
1: And Frank definitely have to talk to him about that. <laughs> the, the, you know Bernard Bernard Ryman is our guest. When you came in and you were drafted, and you had to know this, right? You're at one of those positions that just always has a spotlight on it. And that spotlight burnt pretty bright on you last year. And there was conversation at the beginning of the year. I don't think anybody doubted your your skill, but maybe people doubted whether or not you were ready to immediately be able to display that skill. Was there ever a point where, and be honest, I mean – I. Was there ever a point where you your confidence was rattled or just you started to feel that chatter? I mean,
4: obviously like playing in this league, you 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 know going into it that there's always going to be, you know, a lot of talk about you and your your ability to play and you you're trying to, you know, the best as you can to stay away from it and not let it affect you, but you're always going to listen to it a little bit. Um, but then it's just that much more important to have that, you know, support system around you. Um, for me, it was, you know, my fiancé, my, my family, and then my teammates here who really helped me me through that.
0: Okay, Bernard Ryman is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. You brought up the Patriots game earlier from last season, and I, I found it really interesting, Bernard, that – You know, you you, you start against Denver on Thursday night football, like you said, didn't go well. You didn't play the next couple of weeks. I think you played a little bit in that Jacksonville game. Um, But then you started against New England. Frank Wright gets fired. Jeff Saturday comes in. And Jeff Saturday was pretty adamant that he was sticking by you. And I'm curious, I know he's no longer, you know, the the coach, but curious what your interactions were with Jeff and and him kind of sticking by you and, and going through your natural rookie development, growing pains, everyone to label it. Uh, what, was, what was his message to you during that time? And I believe you played every single snap the rest of the season after he took over.
4: Yeah, I mean, Coach Saturday, I mean, he's a just a great guy on and off the field. It was a huge honor to get to work with him. And, you know, obviously he gave me a lot of pointers here and there, but I think ultimately it was just the fact that, you know, he kept believing in me um, that really made a difference for me, for me personally. And, you know, knowing that you have someone that came like in your corner is just a, a great feeling and definitely helped me play my game.
0: I know Chris Ballard was hoping that you'd put on a little bit of weight postseason. I think you said the other day that you've put on 15 to 20 pounds. I've done the same over the last couple of years. <laughs> um, curious what what your regiment looked like in putting on that weight versus mine.
4: Um, I mean, we just have a, a great system here at the at the Colts. I mean, from nutritionists to, you know, weight room staff, they've been helping me tremendously. Of just, you know, putting a plan together and, you know, helping me out in every way possible. And all I had to do was just stick to it. So I made it pretty easy on me.
1: Hey, I'm curious about this, Bernard. I assume I have this stereotype in my mind. Stereotypes are dangerous, I realize. (laughs) I have this thought in my mind that if you grow up in Europe, grew up in Austria that, like, you've just been everywhere in Europe. You know what I mean? That, like, it's like the United States. Like, oh, yeah, I've been to Kentucky, I've been to Ohio. And you're like, yeah, I've been to Germany, I've been to France, I've been you know, all over. So I guess the first question I would ask is, is that true that you have – or have you ventured around to a lot of different European countries?
4: Um, I would say so to a decent um, number. Okay. Um, at least my family has always, you know, made sure to, you know, show me around – um and taking me places which i'm really grateful
1: for so if i'm curious of this i'm basically just taking advantage of having you on the radio to ask you a personal question uh if i was going to go over there and for example if, if people were wanting to go to the colts game in frankfurt and then pair it with maybe going somewhere else and seeing as much as they can right while they're there um the two countries i'm curious about and i wanted you to tell me if they're cool or if they suck okay um <laughs> if you've right. been to them belgium and Luxembourg are either one of them worth going to
4: um <laughs> it's a little embarrassing but I've actually been to neither of them so um, probably not the best person to ask okay um, how
1: about Austria I imagine Austria is pretty cool right
4: it is it is I mean any time you go really going to summertime doing like all the the sightseeing and everything and then the wintertime skiing snowboarding it's just it's huge in Austria and it's really, for me
1: personally, one of the most beautiful places you can go to in Europe. And then, Germany, it's, uh, again, I, I apologize for my naivete here, but how similar are the Austrian and German cultures? I mean, I would imagine very much so, but is there like almost a rivalry between the two?
4: Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously the language is the same. Um, food is similar. I mean, obviously a lot of history together. But there's always this, you know, rivalry between, you know, national teams in sports and in any category, you know, at the Olympic games or in like the soccer teams and now more and more so the American football teams of the two countries. So, um, I would definitely say there's
1: a little little rivalry there, but still all in good. What's the um, food that somebody has to get? A Colts fan's going to go, they're going to go watch you guys play in Frankfurt. What is absolutely the thing they have to get?
4: Um, I would definitely say a a schnitzel is is something to get.
3: Okay.
0: Maybe a beer as well. (laughs) Kind of curious for my own 15 pound diet here, Bernard.
4: Yeah, I I would definitely say that's um, something that most tourists get too. (laughs)
0: Tourist was the key word there. Uh, Bernard Ryman's with us. Bernard, last one for me. You mentioned that you and your fiance obviously have called Indy home, I guess, now for about a year. Uh, What do you like about Indianapolis and, uh, I guess, your new home here?
4: I mean, I think just Indiana in general is always felt home for me because it was similar to Austria. Um, you know, the, the city of, of Indianapolis is not too big. You still get to go. You can go around. You still find parking, <laughs> which is nice. And just all the historic buildings downtown um, are awesome to watch. I mean, my fiancé and I, we always try to go downtown or in in Sansville, Carmel, um you know go out to dinner or just walk around and i i just think it's a, it's a beautiful state and yeah we we love the um how it's more relaxed than some some other states
1: beautiful roundabouts too bernard in that, in that part, <laughs> it,
4: it is it is definitely something you have to get used to but they definitely working.
1: Okay, so Bernard, here's what we need you to do because you were so good with the Schwarzenegger impersonation the first time around, but we're going to add a, a little wrinkle we're, to we're it. We're going to ask him yeah. to to do this. So, so here's what we need, Bernard, on the way out. If you could, could you do this? Because you, your pause was just flawless on the I, I'm Bernard Ryman. like And then the pause, and then you say, I'll be back, which it, and it was all great. Can you do the same thing again, but then this time, after the I'll be back, you got to pause again and then say, Again. So that next time we have you on, we can say that you fulfilled it again. Can, can we get you to do that real quick? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Three. I hope he doesn't say never. <laughs> the the oh return acting oh, of Bernard Ryman. Bernard, the, the floor is yours.
4: I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. Again. Yes! <laughs> Yes! <laughs>
0: Unbelievable.
1: There you go. Wow. There you go. Bernard,
0: if your development uh, continues in year two like it has here with those audio endings for our interviews, <laughs> boy, just start making the bust in Canton for him. Uh, outstanding, Bernard Ryman. And uh, genuine congrats. Uh, again, seeing your smile the other day when you're talking about it, um, I can only imagine how much it means to uh, be playing a game. As close as you're going to get, probably, to your home uh, home country. So, congrats on that. Yep. Have a healthy season, and appreciate this time.
4: Thank you so much.
0: That is Bernard Ryman right there, number 79 for the Colts. Just a tremendous – what a tremendous sport.
1: Yeah, to play along with that, right? Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. What exactly is schnitzel, by the way? Sam, do you have that clip? What, uh, the the one that we just got? Yeah. Give I mean, me one is... second, I can play it, yeah. That is so good. <laughs> do you know – what? what is, and I know I've had it, but what? I don't like German food. Is that – does that make me weird?
0: Well, you are a big fan of the Raskiller, correct?
1: Oh, I love the Raskiller.
0: Um, I've always thought it looked kind of like a breaded chicken-ish thing.
1: Okay, well that doesn't sound bad.
2: To, to be honest, schnitzel kind of seems like something a lot of Hoosiers already call their favorite. It really just looks like a pork tenderloin. It, it,
0: it does very much look like that.
1: Okay, well that's not bad. Yeah, okay, I'm down with that.
0: Was he judging the beer? He felt <laughs> I felt a little bit there with that.
1: He said there's a rivalry. By the way, speaking of speaking of beer, how, how great is this? I don't know if I'm, I'm just going to say it anyway, and I don't know if I'm even saying it correctly. I thought you were about ready to crack one open. L- Loft like, Millers is that the name of how you pronounce this? Oh, the little pub over here. Yeah, it's over Off Washington, right across from the Statehouse, and yeah. it's a cool, it's a cool joint, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did so, a show with
0: JMV there once.
1: I went in there, and it had to have been last summer because I think it was before a show at White River. We went in there and we're sitting at the bar having dinner, and they sell they were selling like they had hats on the wall, and I love the logo, right? And so I said to the guy behind the bar, I just said, man, you guys, like I, if you ever had like a trucker-style hat, I would love, th- those things would be awesome. I would buy one in a heartbeat. And so, you know, oh, okay, yeah, great. We leave, and we're sitting there last night, and I turn around to Shannon, and I go, you're not going to believe this. Millers just sent a tweet that said, hey, Jake Query, we got your hats in. I, I, I went immediately down there and got one. It's the greatest hat ever. It's comfortable. I- it's got the little guy on it.
0: I was gonna say, I like the look of it. It's
1: great. You need
0: to rock that today. The fact out there that
1: they re- first off, I had no. I mean, it's always flattering, right? I mean, it's very flattering, right? That they because I didn't. by no I would never be the one that's like, well, you know, my. I mean, never, ever, ever. But the fact that they remembered that yeah. I had made that comment, and I mean, that is like customer service to the in thousandth degree.
0: Um, I think you could make the case, Jake that Bernard Ryman might be the most important Colts player in 2023.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any question, right? I mean, he's certainly in the mix.
0: And it's for several reasons. It's not just, yes, his own development of left tackle and securing that position is obviously vitally important, but the trickle-down effect of protecting Anthony Richardson. And, if you know, if you could, if you could get a long-term left tackle out of a third-round pick, that does not happen very often. So, again, Chris Boward wanted him to put on a little bit more weight former tight end, former receiver. He was a receiver for the Vienna Vikings back in the day, so still a little bit new from a strength standpoint to playing offensive tackle. So obviously a big focus for him in year two, and I thought the Jeff Saturday comments were interesting because I do think um, that is in Saturday really did a nice job of sticking with Ryman and his development was important late in the year. Um, Sam, can we please hear that clip one more
1: time? By the way, somebody somebody just texted me this. I can't believe you don't know the history of the schnitzel and the pork tenderloin. Am I like, did I lose my Hoosier card?
0: Oh, is there a, um, like a coexist, like, I don't know if coexistence is the right word, but is there an overlap there that I'm missing?
1: Maybe it does come from like the German influence of the south southern part of the state. I don't know. Sorry, I, I'm guilty as charged.
0: Yeah. What's the German place in Jasper called?
1: and see that's the thing like from jasper over all the way over to like i should know that my brother you know napoleon and that area of indiana osgood all the way over to the east I, i've just i haven't spent a lot of time in that part of the state even though my family's all from napoleon but i apologize that i didn't know the story between the schnitzel and the pork tenderloin
0: um sam schmidt and 10 is that right Jay? that's correct yep uh we'll continue to monitor things sam the blinds are a little bit closed is it still overcast out there it, I mean, it actually looks like we're getting a little
2: bit of sun peeking through, but I, I wouldn't be too hopeful.
0: Trying to break through a little I bit. wouldn't be too
1: hopeful. Sam Fritz is a weatherman. Well, well you know honest. what? <laughs> it, it looks like there's, you might be able to get the kids out in the yard to play today, but I wouldn't count on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Judging by the forecast, I think that's a pretty yeah, accurate it is. Assumption, assumption there by Well, Sam you're Prince. only half screwed today. <laughs> Uh, four o'clock qualifications over at IMS for the Grand Prix, so we'll continue to keep an eye on things out there and keep you updated on that front. Kevin and Corey back in a few. Ninety-three five one seven five. The fan. Thank you to Bernard Ryman for joining us. That will be up on the podcast. Some changes certainly physically for Bernard Ryman here
1: in year two. Think about how different Anthony Costanzo looked between when he was drafted and when he retired.
0: It's kind of a throwback story, but I'll never forget going to a Notre Dame Boston College game. Remember when Boston College was like a top five team with Matt Ryan? Yeah. And sat next to Anthony Costanzo's mom at the game. And I believe at the time Anthony was a I think he was a true freshman starter and was weighing like two hundred and sixty some pounds soaking wet. Which, you know, even for a college offensive tackle, that is extremely light. Um, And I mean, just like, she was just so, you know, a typical mom, but you know, very, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about him and I hope he can hold up and all that. I'm like, well, Notre Dame's won three games this season. So I think you'll be all right with that. Um, But yeah, he just naturally kind of grew into that body. And I remember he said he had a, a lot of difficulty in keeping that weight on, you know, really? it, it, it's one thing just to do it, but right. then it's another thing to kind of keep that weight on and, And the Colts here under Chris Ballard have gone with this trend, Ryman especially. We saw with Blake Freeland, the tackle from BYU. Jake, I think they've opted for more of the, let's find the taller, lankier, for lack of a better term, tackle. We'll put some weight on him, but I'd rather him be very athletic and handle guys in the pass rush, handle the speed guys, and then if there are those power rushers, we'll put some weight on them and hopefully they can develop there.
1: Uh, the Indiana pork tenderloin was created in Huntington Indiana in 1904 I actually should know that because I went I met a friend of mine a friend of mine from out of town had to do a deposition in Huntington and we met for lunch in Huntington and that was the big thing was the pork tenderloin sandwich the Indiana pork tenderloin was created in Huntington in 1904 the creators parents were German immigrants and due to the lack of veal in Indiana at the time they began using pork instead for their schnitzel they then owned a sandwich cart and started making them into sandwiches, and in the pork Indiana, the pork Indiana tenderloin was born. There we go. There you
0: go. Interesting. Interesting. Did not Schnitzel know that Bonk, of course, in Jasper.
1: Did not know that. You learn something new every day, right? Look at that. Educate and entertain. <laughs> That's what we try to do here, right? On
0: that, and Sam Schmidt going to join us here in a few. Um, Jake four o'clock today. Is that right for you guys with quals?
1: Yep. Qualifying getting underway at four o'clock again, the Indy next, which is the formerly known as the Indy lights qualifying at uh, two twenty, and then IndyCar car at four o'clock practice getting underway just about two hours from now.
0: And now I see the sun beaming in here, Sam Fritz, right on cue.
1: <laughs> My hopes remain the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we'll continue to keep an eye on the forecast. Does look like a little rain today, potentially this afternoon, uh, but tomorrow I think slightly better, which uh, based off past past Grand Prix, uh, much better from a weather standpoint. Although last year the rain did offer some entertainment for the race. Uh, Sam Schmidt, really cool event and just a really cool dude with his history in IndyCar. He joins us next here. Kevin and Quarry.
1: Nine o'clock hour underway on a Friday. Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen and Sam Fritz, running the big board for us here. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, of course, words to action coming up here in just a little bit when the Cars take to the road course for the GMR Grand Prix, which will be taking place tomorrow. And then, naturally, everything shifts to the Oval. Our next guest who joins us on the Payless Sugars Hotline is the definition of taking a situation that is awful and turning into one that hopefully is positive for people other than yourself. He is a veteran of three Indianapolis 500s before his racing career came to an end after a tragic accident during a test that left him paralyzed, and so now the drive is towards helping other people that might be in the same situation or seeing what can be done to conquer paralysis. Sam Schmidt joins us on the program. Sam, good morning to you. Welcome back to Indianapolis for yet another year of awesome racing in the month of May.
5: Good morning, sir. Great to be here. Hey,
1: let's begin with this, and I know you've got a big event coming up tonight. We will get all of the information for everybody about your annual event that is taking place, as a matter of fact, 23rd annual Racing to Recovery. Uh, do you say gala, Kevin, or gala? you usually go gala, but gala? I can, we okay. talked into others. Uh, 23rd annual Racing to Recovery event. How's that? To benefit, conquer paralysis now. Sam, I, I want to begin with this, and I think most are familiar with your situation and what took place. And I know that you've been asked this a thousand times, so we'll make it a thousand and one. But I think it's important for people to know. At some point, you had to have sat there and thought about what the future meant for you, and you decided, you know what, I'm going to strap, you know, strap back into a cockpit, but with a different driving mission now, and it's driving towards helping other people with this terrible fate that's been set upon me. What led you to take that initiative? and was there a time when you wanted to just say be angry at the world and throw in that towel
5: well i can honestly say it's uh it's been a progression right nothing overnight and i can't believe it's been 23 years uh thanks for reminding me of that but uh you know the community around indianapolis uh several motiv- motivating fronts uh, number one my my family uh Getting injured with a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and uh, you know, you have a choice to uh, kind of sit home and do nothing, or, or try and you know, be a good example and and go, uh, you know, get back into into life. And I think I think with anybody that has this type of situation, uh, myself, Robert Wickens, et cetera, you do have that choice pretty early on. Like, you know, um, do I do I go back to what I love, or do I you know kind of fade off in existence and uh you know, we had a lot of good success for several years investing in research. And then, uh, and then, you know, I would not wish this on anybody, but frankly, Robert Wicken's uh, accident in 2018 really gave us an example of an opportunity to put together everything we had learned from the investments that had been made. And, and he was a willing participant uh, to sort of, you know, as you say, strap it on and, and do everything possible. He was not... Uh, you know, his prognosis was uh, not very good uh, with the horrific accident. And, uh, but he put the time in, he put the scene in the game, the effort in, and, you know, he's, everybody knows his, his progress. And he, uh, uh, he got married and, and danced at his wedding and, and had a kid, and now he's back racing professionally, in fact, this weekend somewhere else. So um, that is what is possible if you put the time in, you put the effort in, and uh, and you kind of combine that with some pretty high-tech, Uh, technology, et cetera. And so this is all we've learned this whole time. Uh, With that happening in 2018, we opened a facility in Vegas. We've had some just outstanding results uh, with the therapies, with uh, the people, you know, psychological and physical. And uh, so, frankly, that led to, as you say, the progression of things. That led to, you know, uh, at least my reasoning for selling 75% of the team, it still gives me an opportunity to follow my passion and be involved with Indy 500 in the series. But uh, more importantly, I get to shift uh, my focus towards opening more facilities like that. Uh, it, it, you know, Again, I was kind of living my own world for about 20 years, uh, doing the therapy on my own, uh, owning the team, traveling all over. And then uh, we were able to see through Robert's Recovery and through the facility in Vegas just how many people this can help. Uh, including uh, disabled veterans and so uh, we're uh, we should have another facility opening up in Phoenix in the next 90 days and I think over the next couple of weeks we'll have some some really big announcements around here as well so um, and I, you know I got to say I really appreciate uh, the listeners and everybody around Indianapolis because this event you know for a lot of years it didn't directly benefit uh, the people of Indianapolis but uh, uh, that's all going to change in the future and then um uh, you know the gala is, is the motorsports community as well. I mean, it's one of those things, right? You try to beat each other up on Sunday, and everybody's elbows up, and let's go win this race. But if something tragic happens to somebody within the community, everybody kind of gets together and, and just sees how we can fix it. So that's part of this as well.
0: It's an awesome event tonight over at the roof ballroom. Uh, an event that if you can't make it, you can also watch live. I believe we'll get more into that with Sam Schmidt here. Coming up, uh, Sammy, you mentioned you know selling the team and and, and a big you know, stake in it. Um, what do you think from like an ownership standpoint? You've obviously had a ton of history in, in IndyCar. Um, it fascinates me, you know, the the ownership aspect to it. What would you say is maybe the biggest misconception that some fans might have about owning an IndyCar team?
5: Uh, that it's easy. <laughs> uh, that uh, you know that that uh, partners flock to you, and that uh, you know if you're if you're competitive. Uh, you know, the, the, the money comes in and it's easy to pay drivers. And, you know, I, I, I'm on both sides of the fence and that, uh, you know, I think, our, I think our drivers should be paid a ton of money because they're putting their lives on the line every time they're getting these things. And you got, you know, you got baseball players making $40 million a year and, and they're not putting their lives on the line yet. Our guys, uh, you know, uh, make good money, but not, not anything close to that. Right. So, uh, that, but, you know, then again, you can only afford to pay the driver. What, uh, what the economics will bear so it is uh in one sense it's not any different than any other company that's successful you put you find the right people you put them in the right position to let them do their job but on the other hand it's so much more magnified when you have uh you know specialized positions and a gearbox guy a tire changer uh a mechanic and uh, everybody absolutely positively has to do their job perfectly or else you know, something bad could happen, and, uh, or you're just unsuccessful, but, uh, you know, finding that group of people uh, is extremely tough, uh, raising the money, getting the partners together, keeping everybody satisfied, uh, it just, uh, it's just, its it's been, it you know, 20 years running, so uh, that was uh, very draining, <laughs> a big burden on the shoulder, about 65 families uh, that you feed, and so uh, uh, just Yeah, it's tough to put that whole back together, but the flip side to it is, you know, like when you win the inaugural Grand Prix in uh, 2012, and you uh, you have some successes like the pole, the pole in 11, the pole in 16, and other races, then it it, you know you kind of forget about all the hard times and all the all the sleepless nights, you know. So it's uh, it's very addictive, that's for sure.
1: Sam Sam Schmidt, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know that you joined JMV uh yesterday on this station and, and people loved hearing about it so you told this story and you and i've talked about this before but i got to bring it back up because it is fabulous um that guy eddie kept hitting whammies on press your luck when you were on there uh, in the 80s and, and then you're just racking up money you win like 16 grand which is like five hundred thousand dollars in today's money because we're old and that was a long time ago uh how did you end up a contestant on press your luck
5: you know, uh, just a lowly college student sitting there, uh, eating my rice Krispies one morning and it was on. And, uh, and at the end of it, they had the call, you know, they had the the thing down there, you know, we're, at, we're going to have a college week. Uh, you know, if you're a college student, please, uh, call in and, and, you know, come down and try out. So, uh, I did. And, and, uh, kind of the rest of this, actually didn't make the college week, but I, they called me back and wanted me to be on, uh, the non-college stuff. And so, uh, uh it was it was interesting. I, ironically I had never seen the show before that one morning and uh it was a perfect storm and uh yeah, I I I was I love YouTube to death, but when that came out on YouTube and people people started finding me it was uh not a good day. But you gotta <laughs> love, you know you know, get the Don Johnson haircut and the mustache and uh, the uh the blazer. It was uh Oh it was it a good was look. Classic. You got to remember, nineteen eighty-two, man. Most people, well, a lot of people, weren't born by then. So. so
1: you were on for like three days, right? But was that in reality? Was it like two hours of your life?
5: You know, uh, they film sex episodes on a Saturday. They tell you to bring a few changes of clothes in case you're able to wine, and you kind of sit, kind of sit in a green room, and you watch people play. And that's actually the time. Thank God, I wasn't called the first the first show because i wouldn't know how to play the game i'd watch four sessions but i got called up for number five and number six uh that day which i won both of those and then had to come back the next saturday and and start the process all was, over there, was there any but,
1: skill uh, to it or was it was it literally luck
5: you know uh the trivia questions are pretty were pretty easy you know and uh not definitely not jeopardy quality stuff here you know and so uh i think that's why i was able to get on but uh but the the whammy thing, there was a bit of a. If you watched it enough, there was a bit of a routine, and a bit of a sequence to try and try and not get the whammy. And that, ironically, that show was just revived, uh, you know, not too long ago for a couple seasons. But it uh, it really wasn't very good. So, um, but yeah, won, won, uh, won some really a lot of money for that for that day and age, like you said, nineteen eighties. That uh, that paid for an entire year of college there. Now you were at
1: were you at Pepperdine? Is that what school you went to?
5: Exactly. Yep. Now,
1: see, that's oh. like—I mean, come on. I
5: mean, Talk about it, jealousy.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, what what the hell were you doing inside eating Rice Krispies, man? There's some.
5: It was, it was early. You know, the girls weren't up yet. But, uh, <laughs> um, Sam Schmidt was, is our guest. Uh, it was more beach than it was school. That's for sure. Oh, I'm
1: sure, man. Sam Schmidt is our guest, and again, we will get you all of the information on tonight. The Conquer Paralysis now. 2023 racing to recovery gala it all begins at seven o'clock in terms of the streaming feed that will begin the also the drivers are going to be the Pato award felix rosenquist alexander rossi tony canaan reality is sam when you are starting to look now and i realize we've got the grand prix here and then from both standpoints but let's talk about in particular indy and the 500 you know, with that team with which you're involved, Pato Ward, Felix Rosenquist, Alexander Rossi, and Tony Kanaan, those are four pretty good arrows, pardon the pun, uh, to be able to fling with. That team's going to be stout when it comes to the 500.
5: Very excited. Uh, y'all has come here thinking you can win the race, but sometimes you need a little more luck than than, uh, than most. But, I mean, I think it's a quality effort. Uh, if you look at that driver lineup last year, they, they happened to finish second, third, fourth, and fifth. In the 500, and uh, in that sequence, and we're only missing one spot, you know. So uh, it's stout. The guys have been working really hard in the offseason. As as race fans know, uh, this process for Indy starts, you know, at the checkered flag at Laguna last year. And so uh, it's definitely the biggest thing of the year. And it's it's about execution, it's about avoiding mistakes, you know. So uh, um, we're, yeah, we're loaded for bear. And Tony was an excellent, uh, excellent find uh, for this 500. Uh, really appreciate being a part of, you know, what is supposed to be his final 500 anyway. So, uh, um, yeah, as you put it, really stout. Um, two two winners and two uh, almost winners. Uh, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if that race is maybe a lap longer last year, Pato Ward is probably in... Victory lane. How would you describe Pato, Sam? He just strikes me as just unbelievable energy. Obviously, his talent speaks for itself. And, and if he's not a star already, he, he, he will be. How would you describe Pato?
5: Yeah, I mean, you said it. What you see is what you get, right? He's, uh, uh, sometimes we say 23 going on 15 and, uh, <laughs> um, no filter. And, and, you know, I think that's why the fans love him and why his popularity continues to grow. And, um, he will be a force to be reckoned, force to be reckoned with for quite a while. Sam,
1: when you had mentioned Sam Schmidt is our guest on the Payless Suckers Hotline. You had mentioned Robert Wicken's journey and the fact that he, you know, perhaps is one of those that you're able to see the benefit of the money that's been raised. You know, the, the over 18 million dollars that's been raised over the years through these different efforts. You know, a record one million dollars raised by this event a year ago. But is there a, a an an off-track, let's say, story of a time when for you, I'm sure like all of us, you have days that are rough, that are frustrating, that are challenging. Is there a moment or an epiphany that you can recall where you saw not in yourself but in somebody else that you just thought to yourself, I can't give up because that person needs us to continue. That person needs to be touched. Was there a particular moment or person that inspired you have inspired so many so who has inspired you
5: you know uh, it, it uh, it's not just one you know it's uh, uh, it's probably in the hundreds by now because uh, I was I had professional athlete insurance an incredible family my wife and I just celebrated 30th anniversary I can tell you in this situation the divorce rate 85% it's not easy and so uh that uh, my father had a racing accident uh, which he uh beat the odds and uh you know put all the naysayers you know and went on to do some great things so i had that example Uh, i had all these reasons you know for me to come back but i was uh you know sort of operating in my own world with uh the ability to get the equipment and have the right support uh but then uh you do see I got to say, especially opening that facility. Uh, I started working out there a couple days a week myself to get, to get ready for my daughter's wedding. And, and then it's just like, you know, just smacking the face. But I think, I think leading up to that too, I mean, uh, the guys that are on the paddock for a long time know that we, uh, we have these date the racist programs where in different markets, we bring out uh, PVA members, DAVM members, wounded warrior um, and several people that, uh, you know, get to come to the track and, kind of experience uh, behind the scenes and yeah accessible everything is and there's just countless stories of people who really uh, you know don't have insurance don't have a pot to piss and don't have uh, a family the kind of family support i have yet they have gone uh you know uh, met a guy who uh uh, created a basically a cherry picker to get him back in his harvester so he could drive his harvester and be you know still be a farmer and uh, we've helped probably a half a dozen young guys uh, get hand controls for print cars and midgets. And, uh, you know, and then you just, the stuff you never hear about, right. Uh, Tony Stewart gives them a frame and Speedway engines builds them a motor. And um, uh, so we've got a bunch of those stories then, you know, particularly back in Vegas, just people that, uh, the people that need it the most can't afford it. And they're the ones that get the best results. So I, uh, you know, one of these days, I'd love to do, you know, a bunch of little six-minute videos or something for, you know, just the hundreds of people that have surprised me and astonished me and, and motivated me to try and bring it to the masses, you know, try and get it to more people uh, because that when you, it, and it's not just spinal cord injury, I mean, we're talking brain injury and uh, uh, MS and, uh, you know, we just lost Bill Osterley, right, ALS, PLS, uh, um, there are just so many disorders that are directly applicable to the type of research we've been doing. So um, it's, uh, yeah, those successes, on the track, off the track, is what, uh, is what gets you up every morning.
0: It's an incredible cause. Again, the 2023 Racing to Recovery Gala tonight over at the Indiana Roof Ballroom. Sam, could you fill us in on some details? I, I believe you guys, at least as of last night, had some tickets still available, um, either for those that you know would be looking to possibly attend tonight or those that can tune in online.
5: Yeah, I mean that was one of the, you know, kind of there were a lot of negatives to COVID, but one of the positives were we had to scramble and create a uh, a virtual auction because uh, it is our largest fundraiser of the year and we needed to, you know, get some money and thank God for uh, Gretchen and her team here on the ground they they created the first virtual gala in about five weeks there in 2020 uh, that ran in, in parallel with the 500 and um and but it was so successful in, in getting people from around the country that couldn't attend the race. Uh, to uh, to watch online and and bet on, on them. So we had to once we got back to live g- galas, uh we had to uh, uh, include that. So now we have a hybrid. We meet there, and as you said, you can still get some tickets. Uh, it's 6:30 to 7:30 the cocktail hour, and then uh, we had drivers coming and going, and then um, at, at about eight o'clock hard I think the uh, the virtual auction kicks in. The people that are there will watch the virtual auction on a big screen, eat dinner and drink and bid on items. And then, uh, but you at home for free can just, you know, go to the website, log on. Uh, you can, you know, we have about 130 auction items, some, some really nice stuff. And um, yeah, you can watch the show. We have a combination of sort of dignitaries that chime in and out the show. And then that's mixed with some success stories uh, from the program, like we were just talking about. So it's, I, I think it's an hour of inspiration and, uh, you know, computer, TV, uh, phone, laptop, whatever, you can uh, you can watch it live and you know not have to not have to get all dressed up. But well, I think last year we had about a thousand people watching it around the country, and then uh, you know about three four hundred in the ballroom there. So come down, have a good time, or you know watch it on on your computer.
1: Well, Sam, in conclusion, I'm going to correct you on one thing. And who am I in the month of May to correct an Indy 500 veteran, a team owner, right? But the area where I'll correct you is when you say that the work that you did didn't immediately initially impact the people of Indianapolis. When you're talking about inspiring people to overcome adversity, to look each day in the eye and say that you're going to be the victor and not the day or the circumstances that knows no geographic boundary and your influence, your inspiration continues to touch people everywhere. And while that work directly may just now be starting to infiltrate into different areas it doesn't mean that its example doesn't penetrate upon immediacy so i thank you for um your spirit with that and your continued efforts in helping people out
5: incredibly well said man that that's inspiring this morning to me so uh, thank you very much i appreciate that and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep doing what we're doing Best of luck to
1: the team. Best of luck uh, this weekend and as well, of course, with the event tonight, Sam. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you, Sam. That is Sam Schmidt right there. Just an unbelievable cause and really has been a hero um, in his own journey. And every time you see him, Jake, I'm just my gosh, that dude just exudes inspiration Um, and how he's carried this flag for so many different types of people, different types of injuries. And the event tonight again over at the Roof Ballroom uh, sounds like a great, great cause. So he's on a loaded team coming up, Jake. As you said in the month of May as well, I think uh, I think you make an interesting debate whether it's you know Ganassi Racing, of course, would probably be the one you would take. But boy, if you're going to give me Team Two right now boy. for the month of May, I would
1: think I'd go Arrow over Penske. That's I mean you're not lying, man. Pato
0: Award. Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenquist, and Tony Canan.
1: You know and, and Rossi is so good on the outside line and in traffic. Canon is so good in just in the the expertise of it all. Pato is so good at just being flat out fast and putting his car where no one else will. And Felix Rosenquist is really Felix Rosenquist may be the best of all of them at being patient if the car is off and just saying, I'm going to bring home the car where it allows me to bring it home and not pushing it. So, they've got different different methods of attack there, and that's a pretty strong group. Yeah, Felix was knocking
0: on the door last year. Yeah. yeah. So much Marcus Erickson, Pato Ward, those final few laps. Tony Cannon, of course, got himself in the mix, but Felix Rosenquist is right there as well. So, thank you to Sam Schmidt. Bernard Ryman, Colts offensive tackle earlier. Both of those will be up on the Podcast. The Pop Coins is coming up in a few. It is a freebie Friday, so no matter what, the Jiffy Lube oil change is coming your way. And if you get on air, it's our final Carb Day and Qual pair of ticket giveaway for the week here. So obviously, you got Quals coming up next Saturday. And then after that, you'll have Carb Day two weeks from today. Imagine the scene, Jake, two weeks from right now. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be, Michael's going to be just foster beers like he's, none other. he's
1: starting to ask me questions now i'm texting with michael in australia right now um jake do we need tickets for carb day and he says how close will we get to the cars and drivers um why is it called Carb Day? he asked. and what exactly happens? What? What? How do I say that? What? Yeah, ex- that's
0: <laughs> boy. Just say pictures don't do it justice.
1: What exactly <laughs> happens yeah. on Carb Day? Yeah. Well, Kevin he might has, want to keep the phone at home. <laughs> Kevin has a Coors banquet by seven thirty. Yeah. that's mm-hmm. what happens on yeah, Carb Day.
0: It'll be a Keystone Light. Just the the, the crispness will hit the air by about seven oh one about 25 seconds
1: it is it, is it not just the best though uh, and honestly I mean, it's Jake, like
0: a civic holiday <laughs> we deserve a good weather carb day we have not had that
1: in a while okay listen you, you listen smarty pants I, i'm gonna pull up right now the long range forecast oh my okay gosh, just yeah. to just to exercise the demons because i never isn't ever, sam fritz our resonant
2: Limited weather observer Sam. I can look at a cloud. I know the weather the next fourteen days. <laughs> oh,
1: the
0: cumulus cloud right there, and this and that. I got a
2: nice one dollar bill in my pocket. It says 1 p.m. Within
1: the hour, there'll be rainfall.
0: Oh, geez.
1: You know, do you ever use that Rain Aware app? No. It's it's solid. Does it cost aware, money. It might be like five dollars a year. Okay, the ten day we can't do the the ten day right. Ten day still doesn't get us anywhere within sniffing distance. Yeah, right. We need fourteen you got to may pay for another app to get that. Uh, carb day forecast right now. 24% chance of rain, partly cloudy. Oh, 80, 82 okay. degrees. All right. Let's go, right? Yeah,
0: hell yeah. Sign up for that without question. Uh, all right, let's do a morning check down before we get to the pop quiz. You know, I always feel this way about when you get to game sixes, and I feel like the Sixers felt it last night. You've got game six on your home floor. It's a chance to win the series. Yes, you aren't playing to keep your season alive like Boston was last night, but you could make the statement you might feel a little bit more pressure because you don't want any part of a game seven on the road. Philly clearly felt some of that last night. Jake will Miami andor LA feel any of that tonight as they try to do what Philly could well, not do last night.
1: LA's got to know that they're playing with fire with Golden State, right? You got to you got to get rid of that. Uh, Miami though is going to advance, right?
0: I wouldn't want any part of a game 7 Madison Square Garden.
1: By the way, my hat is apparently Low Millers and not Loft Millers. I said Loft Millers, it's Low Millers. My apologies. Still a c- cool place. Uh Miami I wins and Anthony Davis, I mean, that's a curveball for sure. But I, I think LeBron can carry a team for a game. I don't know that at this point in his career he can do it on say, You know, for the rest of the uh, of the season, but he certainly can be a donut tire.
0: If the Lakers win tonight, they will take on the Nuggets. The Nuggets have clinched their spot in the conference finals. That game was over pretty much after the opening tip last night in Phoenix. Denver was up 18 after one. 30 at halftime. Nikola Jokic with a triple-double. So Denver, moving on. The number one seed in the West, they will be in the conference finals. And Jake in the East, we will get a game seven with Philly and
1: Boston. And Philly and Boston know that whichever one wins is going to have home court for the rest of the season, right? Correct. Yep. The playoffs.
0: That's what they're playing for. So that'll be on Sunday time, so it'll be to
1: determine there. Major League Baseball yesterday. Reds over the Mets five-nothing. It was the Giants over the Diamondbacks 6-2. Twins over the Padres 5-3. Royals over the White Sox 4-3. Tampa beat the Yankees. The Rangers beat the Athletics. And the Indianapolis Indians lost 8-7 to the St. Saint Paul Saints in the International League.
0: Uh, today over at IMS, we talk about the weather. Uh, looks to be okay for this morning practice here coming up any minute now over at IMS. The road course with the Grand Prix tomorrow. Green flag just after three thirty. 30 Jake and the radio team will have your coverage. Qualls begins at 4 o'clock today. Correct. And then a little after three thirty tomorrow,
1: though, over there at IMS. And in the NHL, last night, I talked to actually one driver from the Indianapolis 500 yesterday that said, "I like your guys' morning show, but you don't talk enough hockey." Oh, yep. Uh, the Carolina Care Hurricanes. To share who that was? Or Ed gonna Carpenter. Ha-
0: okay, we're going to have him on at some point.
1: Yeah, we'll have him on to talk hockey. Ed uh, Ed Carpenter's Carolina Hurricanes. Actually, I don't know who he roots for, but he likes hockey. Three He's a two Illinois the guy, New Jersey right? Devils. Paris, Illinois, but raised in Indy. Mm-hmm uh the seattle is it kraken or kraken oh jeez you always do yes (laughs) it's the kraken it's a great logo okay well they were cracked yesterday stars beat them five two that means by the way that dallas leads that series three games to two carolina eliminated new jersey four games to one
0: uh the pacers the last little bit of news here obviously the lottery coming up on tuesday night they also have their first draft workout today Uh, probably the most notable name on that list i guess two of them one, Jaime Jaquez, think of the great facial hair out there for UCLA this past season. Really nice career for the Bruins. Uh, and Andre Jackson Jr., the do-it-all wing for Connecticut, super athletic. Um, those two will be among six guys working out over at the practice facility. Pacers have five picks in this year's draft, so don't view this group, I think, as lottery type of uh, looks here. This is more of a, uh, probably in the second round with some of these names on the list, but draft season right around the corner. And we'll find out exactly where the Pacers will be drafted in the top 10 coming up on Tuesday nights. All right. It is pop quiz time. It is freebie, freebie Friday. Scotty's entered the building. Uh Scotty, uh the difficulty of this pop quiz, a five out of 10. I see multiple racing questions, right? I believe last time we had a racing question. It's not go very well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right. How many miles is the Indianapolis Probably. race? The guy's like, ah, I don't know, man. I'm not a race fan. <laughs> okay. uh, give us a call two three nine ten seventy. 239-1070.
0: Pop quiz is next. I think it's a lot harder than Scotty believes. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely a lot harder than Scotty believes.
1: Let's see here.
0: Nothing against the intelligence of our listeners. But I just try to live in reality. We are giving away a pair of tickets to CarBay coming up two weeks from today and Qualls next weekend, and obviously on a Friday, Jiffy Lou Boyle change
1: no matter what. I'd say it's more of a seven than a five.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, do you want to go seven or five for our number here?
1: Uh, I'll go... Which one do you want? Seven? We never do seven.
0: Lucky number seven, Sam Fritz, is who? That is
3: Barry. Barry how's it going
0: Barry uh please turn down your radio if you don't mind how are you on this Friday
3: just turning down yeah I'm doing good how about yourself
0: wonderful wonderful Barry is um I'd assume but I have a friend named Barry his real name is Bernard is your real name Barry on the birth
3: certificate yep just Barry plain old Barry
1: who's your favorite Barry not named Hallie
3: Barry Sanders
1: Ooh, okay I was thinking, you know, Barry Bonds. You like Barry Bonds?
3: No, nah, I was a King Griffey Junior fan
1: growing up. Uh, nice, Barry Gibb.
3: Uh, nah. Manilow? Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a little. That's a little past my time, or if before you, my time. If so you I could
1: say. have dinner tomorrow night with Barry Sanders or Halle Berry, which one would you pick? Oh boy.
3: Uh, p- probably Halle.
1: <laughs> I should hope. I was really hoping Barry's going to say, fans. "Well, what happens after dinner?" <laughs> Barry, you know, Barry Sanders actually. Would you agree with this, Barry? Barry Sanders, if you could just, I mean, as a, as a football player, unbelievable. And I think he seems like a cool dude, but he's, like, really quiet. Like, I don't know how exciting he'd be to have dinner with.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. He was, you know, really quiet, didn't show showboat, just, you know, humble guy. The
1: man. it would be a
3: boring dinner. But, so, but yeah, I'd pick Halle Barry for he, sure. He could flat out play.
1: Barry, have you called the program before?
3: Um, I have. It's been quite a while, though, probably over a year that I've been
1: on. Okay, and it, let me ask you this, Barry. And Diet Cokes are certainly fine. If you were going to come to our PBR party, would you rather sit and have a PBR with uh, me? That would be Jake or Kevin.
0: Um, Barry, you don't have you to Jake. answer. You, you go with Sam Fritz.
3: <laughs> Did you wait? You I'll said go with, I'll go with uh, Halle Berry on that one too. Yeah, <laughs> J- Jake needs his ego <laughs>
0: fed, so go ahead and say Jake. That's on right. that One.
1: All right. Well, Barry, along now, Barry, you attended what high school? Uh, Washington. Oh, that's okay. I I think I do recall now. We talked a little basketball last time you called. Okay, so, Barry, and speaking of that, uh, there might be somebody from your alma mater in the pop quiz. Would you like, for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Let's go with Jake. I need the hint. There we go. I like that. All right, here we go, uh, Barry. Question number one for you. The Boston Celtics won last night in Philadelphia, forcing a game seven in their Eastern Conference semi-series. The Celtics and Sixers while meeting Game 7 for an NBA record eighth time. Who has won the most Game 7s between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers?
3: Oh, I feel like uh, the Celtics would be the... I'm going to go with the Sixers.
1: You know, they always say go with your gut, Barry.
3: All right, let's go with the Celtics, man. Okay.
1: It's pretty wild that they've met seven
0: times in Game 7s. That's crazy. Long-time franchises, Uh, both pretty darn good. Barry, number two here, the Nuggets. They advanced to the Western Conference Finals with their win last night. The Suns trailed by 30 at halftime. Last year, the Suns also went down by 30 points at halftime while facing elimination at home in the conference semis. Who knocked the Suns out of last year's playoffs, also led by an international star? Uh, The Warriors, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, or the
1: Pelicans?
3: Uh, The Mavericks. Nice.
1: All right, question three. 50 years ago today, your Indiana Pacers won their third and final ABA championship. They defeated the Kentucky Colonels 88-81 in Game 7 of the ABA Finals at Freedom Hall in Louisville. Who was the leading scorer in the game? Was it Artis Gilmore, Donnie Freeman, Rick Mount, or George McGinnis?
3: Go Big George,
0: baby. All right, number four there is Washington treats very well with that one. On this day in 1996, Ari Leindyke set the one and four lap qualifying records at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway that stand to this day. What team was Ari driving for? A, Team Menard, B, A.J. Foyt Enterprises, C, Hemelgarn Racing, or D, Bird Treadway Racing?
3: Ooh, let's go with the third one.
1: Hemelgarn? Yeah. You sure? Probably a Uh, favorite team of people that like the Celtics?
3: Uh, could you repeat the answers again?
0: Yeah, Team Menard, A.J. Foyt Enterprises,
1: and Bird Treadway Racing.
3: Uh, Yeah, let's go with Bird
1: Treadway. Okay. Question number five. <laughs> Ari turned in a four-lap average of 236.986 and a quick-lap average of 237.498. Whose speed record did Ari Lyndike break? A, it was his own, B. Scott Brayton, C. Roberto Guerrero, or D. Not from the Monkees, Davy Jones.
3: Uh, let's go with his own. It's I
1: like, I like the that. decisiveness with Barry. Yeah, that was out
0: there. I also love those Team Menard cars, Jake.
1: They are very easy to. I like it when one of them is in the middle of the pack. You know what? Honestly, I love when Simon Pagino, for example, is running like in seventh or eighth because that car is so immediately recognizable to the eye when they are coming up the backstretch at me and three. Yeah. You can see that one, and it immediately lets you know where the like the pack is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
0: That makes sense. Uh, great work by Barry. No matter what, Barry's stay on the line here. Jake, he got number one right.
1: Uh, he did indeed get number one right. The Boston Celtics, 5-2 to two in Game 7s over Philly. He got two right. Dallas Mavericks was correct. He got George McGinnis, he the fellow. Washington. He's got to get George McGinnis right. Continental, is that right? That's correct.
0: For Washington. Uh, with a little bit of coaxing, number four, Bird Treadway Racing was right. But Jake, number five.
1: Ari Dyke, 237.498 miles an hour. It's a new track record. And the old one belonged to Scott Brayton.
0: Mm. Good work, Barry appreciate you listening uh will we ever sniff that speed again no. either of those the four lap I, average or the single lap 236.9 i'm not going to
1: say never kevin but i truly i i do believe this i don't know this so i want to make emphatically clear that i don't know this but it's an educated opinion i think that After Leyendeik turned that speed, and then studying telemetry of a few horrific accidents, including one that happened in a tire test out at IMS, I think that they determined, determined is maybe the wrong word, they began to believe that they had perhaps reached the speed where there became a speed where if you got air underneath the car, the downforce that was designed to push the car down, if you took that out to get that speed and then air got underneath the car, there was too high a probability of that car essentially being an airplane. Hmm. N- not to the point of an airplane's height. No, that's Michael of, in Australia's company. But of getting air. <laughs> right. Right, And so, um, so I think I do believe that there is a speed that they believe to be... The safest maximum and as they get towards that speed i think that they will continue to do things to then govern the cars back down however just like the innovation that tried to get cars to go as fast as possible 100 years ago i think there now is an ongoing exploration of the innovation that would allow them to eventually get through that ceiling but for right now i do think that they feel like from a safety standpoint that's the max.
0: So 236.9, right? That was Ari's four lap average. Correct. Scott Dixon last year. I mean, he's inching close. Second right? fastest ever was 234.0. And that's. He, and he's, he's inching the mail, closer, man. Jake, but also at the same time, I mean, nearly three miles per hour yeah. is a huge yeah, gap. Especially
1: I mean, when you consider that. I mean, you know, that was almost 30 years ago. Right. And look at the difference of the speeds right. between 1966 and 1996.
0: Sure. Sure. That's a great point. Great point. Uh, all right. We'll round it out one final time here. Kevin Query closing out the week. I think it's a lot harder than Scotty believes. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely a lot harder than Scotty believes.
1: Let's see here.
0: Nothing against the intelligence of our listeners. But I just try to live in reality. We are giving away. A pair of tickets to Car coming up two weeks from today and Qualls next weekend and obviously on a Friday, Jiffy Lu Boyle change. No matter what.
1: I'd say it's more of a seven than a five.
0: Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Uh do you want to go seven or five for our number here?
1: Uh I'll go. Which one you want? Seven? We never do seven.
0: Lucky number seven, Sam Fritz, is who? That is Barry.
3: Barry. How's it going?
0: Barry, uh, please turn down your radio if you don't mind. How are you on this Friday?
3: Just turning down. Yeah, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Wonderful, wonderful.
0: Barry is, um, I, I I'd assume, but I have a friend named Barry. His real name is Bernard. Is your real name Barry on the birth certificate?
1: Yep, just Barry. Plain old Barry. I know. Who's your favorite Barry, not named Hallie?
3: Barry oh. Sanders.
1: Ooh, okay. I was thinking, you know, Barry Bonds. You like Barry Bonds?
3: No, nah, I was a Ken Griffey Jr. fan growing up. Uh,
1: nice. Barry Gibb? Uh, nah. Manilow?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little past my time. Or if before you, my time, if you
1: could have dinner tomorrow night with Barry Sanders or Hallie Berry, which one would you pick? Oh, boy.
3: Uh, p- probably Hallie.
1: <laughs> I should hope. I was really hoping Barry's gonna no say, offense. "Well, what happens after dinner?" Barry, you know, Barry Sanders actually. Would you agree with this, Barry? Barry Sanders, if you could just, I mean, as a as a football player, unbelievable. And I think he seems like a cool dude, but he's like really quiet. Like I don't know how exciting he'd be to have dinner with.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. He was, you know, really quiet. Didn't showboat. Just, you know, humble guy. The
1: man. It was- would be a
3: boring dinner, but. So, yeah, I'd pick Halle Berry for he, sure. He
1: could flat-out play. Barry, have you called the program before?
3: Um, I have. It's been quite a while, though, probably over a year that I've been on.
1: Okay. And it, let me ask you this, Barry. and Diet Cokes are certainly fine. If you were going to come to our PBR party, would you rather sit and have a PBR with uh, me, that would be Jake, or Kevin?
3: Um,
0: Barry, you don't have to you, answer. You, you go with Sam Fritz. <laughs>
3: Did you wait? You I'll said go with, I'll go with uh, Halle Berry on that one too. Yeah, J- Jake <laughs> needs his ego fed, so go ahead and say Jake
0: that's
1: on right. that one. All right, well, Barry, along now, Barry, you attended what high school?
3: Uh, Washington.
1: Oh, that's school okay. I, I think I do recall now. We talked a little basketball last time you called. Okay, so Barry, yeah. and speaking of that, uh, there might be somebody from your alma mater in the pop quiz. Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Let's go with Jake. I need the hint. There we go. I like that. All right, here we go, Uh, Barry. Question number one for you. The Boston Celtics won last night in Philadelphia, forcing a Game 7 in their Eastern Conference semi-series. The Celtics and Sixers will meet in Game 7 for an NBA record eighth time. Who has won the most Game 7s between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers? Oh, I feel like uh, the Celtics would be the – I'm going to go
3: with the Sixers.
1: You know, they always say go with your gut, Barry. All
3: right, let's go with the selfish man. Okay. It's
0: pretty wild that they've met seven times in game
1: sevens. That's crazy. Long-time franchises. Uh, both pretty right, darn good.
0: Barry, number two here, the Nuggets. They advanced to the Western Conference Finals with their win last night. The Suns trailed by... 30 at halftime. Last year, the Suns also went down by 30 points at halftime while facing elimination at home in the conference semis. Who knocked the Suns out of last year's playoffs, also led by an international star? Uh, The Warriors, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, or the Pelicans?
3: Uh, The Mavericks. Nice.
1: All right, question three. 50 years ago today, your Indiana Pacers won their third and final ABA championship. They defeated the Kentucky Colonels 88-81 in game seven of the ABA finals at Freedom Hall in Louisville. Who was the leading scorer in the game? Was it Artis Gilmore, Donnie Freeman, Rick Mount, or George McGinnis? Go Big
3: George, baby. All
0: right, number four There is Washington treats Barry well with that one. On this day in 1996, Ari Leindyke set the one and four lap qualifying records at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway that stand to this day. What team was Ari driving for? A, Team Menard, B, A.J. Foyt Enterprises, C, Hemelgarn Racing, or D, Bird Treadway Racing?
3: Ooh, let's go with the third one.
1: Hemelgarn? Yeah. You sure? Probably a Uh, favorite team of people that like the Celtics. Uh,
0: could you repeat the answers again? Yeah, Team Menard, A.J. Foyt Enterprises, and Bird Treadway
1: Racing.
3: Uh, yeah, let's go with Bird Treadway.
1: Okay. Question number five. <laughs> Ari turned in a four-lap average of 236.986 and a quick-lap average of 237.498. Whose speed record did Ari Leyendike break? A, it was his own. B, Scott Brayton. C, Roberto Guerrero. Or D, not from the monkeys, Davy Jones.
3: Uh, let's go with his own. I like, I like the, the that.
1: decisiveness with Barry. Yeah, that was the
3: out
0: there. I also love those Team Menard cars, Jake.
1: They are very easy to. I like it when one of them is in the middle of the pack. You know what? Honestly, I love when Simon Pagenaud, for example, is running like in seventh or eighth because that car is so immediately recognizable to the eye when they are coming up the backstretch at me and three. Yeah. You can see that one, and it immediately lets you know where the like the pack is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That makes sense.
0: Uh, great work by Barry. No matter what, Barry, stay on the line here. Jake, he
1: got number one right. Uh, he did indeed get number one right. The Boston Celtics, 5-2 to two in Game 7s over Philly. He got two right. Dallas Mavericks was correct. He got George McGinnis, he the fellow. Washington. He's got to get George McGinnis right.
0: Continental, is that right? That's correct. For Washington. Uh, with a little bit of coaxing, number four, Bird Treadway Racing was right. But Jake, number five.
1: Ari Leyendike, 237.498 miles an hour. It's a new track record. And the old one belonged to Scott Brayton.
0: Mm. Good work, Barry appreciate you listening uh will we ever sniff that speed again either of those the four lap average or the single lap 236.9 i'm not going to
1: say never kevin but i truly i i do believe this i don't know this so i want to make emphatically clear that i don't know this but it's an educated opinion i think that After Leyendeik turned that speed, and then studying telemetry of a few horrific accidents, including one that happened in a tire test out at IMS, I think that they determined—determined is maybe the wrong word. They began to believe that they had perhaps reached the speed where— there became a speed where if you got air underneath the car— the downforce that was designed to push the car down—if you took that out to get that speed, and then air got underneath the car, there was too high a probability of that car essentially being an airplane, hmm. N- not to the point of an airplane's height. No, that's Michael of, in
0: Australia's company.
1: But of getting air, right? <laughs> right, and so, um, so I think I do believe that there is a speed that they believe to be. The safest maximum and as they get towards that speed i think that they will continue to do things to then govern the cars back down however just like the innovation that tried to get cars to go as fast as possible a hundred years ago i think there now is an ongoing exploration of the innovation that would allow them to eventually get through that ceiling but for right now i do think that they feel like from a safety standpoint That's the max.
0: So 236.9, right? That was Ari's four lap average. Scott Dixon last year. I mean, he's inching close. Second fastest ever was 234.0. And that's. And he's inching closer, Jake, but also at the same time, I mean, nearly three miles per hour is a huge gap. Especially
1: when you consider that. I mean, you know, that was almost 30 years ago. Right. And look at the difference of the speeds right. between 1966 and
0: 1996. Sure. Sure. That's a great point. Great point. Uh, all right. We'll round it out one final time here. Kevin Quarry closing out the week.